Blog Talk Radio. So maybe they're not quite like the U in the 80s, 
What all the Miami Hurricanes are doing these days is winning, winning, and winning. And there's a lot of that what these days for the Canes as well, who have struggled through their last few games, but are managing to find the winning formula in the fourth quarter to continue to stack victories this season. The Canes will take a 6-1 and one record to Blacksburg this Saturday for a noon game against Virginia Tech, which was stunned, really stunned, by a surprise Liberty team this past weekend. So what do we make of Virginia Tech? We could talk about that a little bit tonight. And while the path to an ACC championship game appearance is certainly not simple, Miami does remain in the thick of the battle to get to Charlotte. So everybody, get your hands up and let them stay there all night long as we talk about that and so much more as we begin a new edition of Kane Sport Live, presented tonight by JFQ Lending, your full-service mortgage provider licensed in more than 40 states. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we welcome you once again to Canesport Live. As always, this is your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3550. That's 563-999-3550. We have 100 open phone lines, plenty room for everybody to call in and participate. You know the drill by now. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. That puts you in the queue. We bring you on the show in the order that you land in the queue. And what we've been finding is sometimes those that think they're at the top of that queue when the show begins have a little bit of competition and maybe aren't as high as they suspected. So we'll see how that goes this evening. But I know a couple guys that, you know, just on a quick glance here might not be so thrilled with where they are in the queue. Anyway, we once again asked the subscribers at canesport.com to post the topics and questions that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show. And we got a lot of really good ones. And we had, we had some leftover from last week as well. So I'm going to be sure to get to those earlier in tonight's show um, because I think there's a lot of topics in there that people will be very interested in. And uh, so we'll address those in a little bit. But before we get started, I, I do want to point out a couple things that I think are really key to the Canes winning games these days. And um, first on offense, the team is one of the best in the country in the red zone. They've scored on uh, almost 90% of their trips inside the 20 and have scored touchdowns on 16 of those 28 trips, which is 64% of the time. Um, there's some teams that haven't had as many opportunities that, you know, have a little higher percentage. So the stats are a little skewed, but, that's a pretty decent performance in the red zone. And that's been a big key for Rhett Lashley's offense so far this season. And then on the defensive side of the ball, the Canes are doing a really good job in the fourth quarter. Um, just look at the game against NC, NC State. They, they gave up 41 points and 404 yards through three quarters. Then in the fourth quarter, the Canes defense limited the Wolfpack to eight plays for six yards. I mean, that's just a staggering reversal. I mean, in any way that you want to evaluate that, I mean, you know, 41 points, 404 yards through three quarters, and then six yards and zero points in the fourth. And that allowed them to get out of Raleigh with, with a victory. Um, they also stopped committing those costly drive sustaining penalties that we saw earlier in the game. 
And then, of course, um, with this extra pressure that they were able to apply, they forced turnover, and DJ Ivy had the game-clinching inter- interception. So those are just a couple things that kind of stand out to me and to you know set the table for tonight's show. So let's go right out to your calls. We got a lot of guys waiting to get on. Um, the number five six three nine 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 three five five zero. That's five six three nine 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 three five five zero. Again, you hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. We're going to begin tonight in the three zero five where you're live on Kane Sport Live. How you doing this evening? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing great. Who's this? Adam. Hey, Adam. How you doing this week? Good. Um, a couple things. One, can we? Is it fair to say over the past two weeks that Mike Harley has really emerged as that number one receiver? Because I think the past two weeks he's had both over a hundred yards receiving. Yeah, I think you would have to say yes, uh, but I want to. I want to caution one thing. Um, and I, I am the biggest Mike Harley fan on the planet. I saw this, this kid stood out to me four years ago when he was a true freshman and mm-hmm. was by far the hardest worker on the team, stood out at every practice we ever watched. And, you know, I just always felt that he was being held back by his size. It, it was not allowing him to get open. But two mm-hmm. things have happened the last two weeks. Number one, uh, Rhett Lashley is doing a great job of helping him get leverage and hit angles that are allowing him to, to um, shed his cover guys. Uh, and and the, the other thing is we're, we've played against slow, slow secondaries. You know, the, uh, okay. Virginia and, and NC State are speed challenged on the back end. And that's making Harley look – I mean, Harley's fast, don't get me wrong – but he's looking really fast right now because the guys that are back there that he's going against are not, have not been real quick. So you, you put the combination of the two together. Obviously, Rhett Lashley sees that in game preparation, and he's drawing it up to spring Harley, and you know who, who is you know, the quickest receiver, I think. I mean, I know, you know maybe if there was a foot race, I don't, you know, maybe Wiggins would be right there with him or whatever. But um, on football game day, Harley looks – like the quickest receiver, I would say. And um, Lashley's done a great job of drawing up plays that isolate him and, and get him open. And then, you know, once he's open, he's been catching the ball. De- De'Ara King is throwing every ball perfect, playing at an absolute elite level right now. And it's all clicking. And, and Harley has just put up ridiculous numbers, uh, 180 yards against Virginia, 153 yards against NC, NC State. I mean, it, yeah. it's utterly insane when you look at his whole career, Adam. Oh, okay. Because I just think, like, especially the second quarter touchdown was just a great throw by King to the back shoulder. Um, and I was just seeing him emerge over the last two weeks. And I know we talked about it early on that Miami didn't really have a true number one. So that's why I was curious about that. I mean, I would say the stats suggest from the last two weeks that he's number one, but I'm not sure Miami really has a like really has a number one. Like, you know, Mike Harley's not going to be a top one or two round draft pick or anything like that. Oh, you, you know, he's a good college receiver, uh, but great matchups the last two weeks, and he's taken every bit of advantage of them. Also, are you surprised with the aggressiveness that Miami's offense has showed this year? Because again, 
against NC State early in the first quarter, we went for it on fourth down deep in our own territory. And I don't think we would have done that last year. I think we would have sent out Headley and punted, among other things. Well, I, I, I think Manny Diaz has a lot of confidence in, in these guys. I, I mean, as, as he should. Uh, I mean, the, you know, when you look at the yeah. way they're performing, you know, the offense has pretty much been performing for most of the mm-hmm. year. I mean, they, they've had, they had some ups and downs in some games. But, you know, that's the strength of the team. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, yeah. they put up 600 and something yards last week. Um, yeah. So I think he has confidence. I, I personally was not crazy about that fourth down call that you're referring to. I think that was, what, the UAB game, right? Um, well, the first one was the UAB, the Cameron Harris, and then a couple other times we've gone for it fourth and one and done the same exact play. Sometimes Harris keeps it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not personally big on fourth and one when you're inside your 25, 30 yard line. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that, yeah. but you know, I think that's taking a huge risk that you don't necessarily have to take, but uh, it, it, I think it worked both times, right? I mean, they yeah. got the first down, they got the first downs. So, you know, Manny's playing the analytics in those situations and uh, the analytics do say to, to go forward in a lot of those situations, but you know, I've also seen analytics cost teams games, but so far it's yeah. working. So you can't okay. argue. A couple, other, a couple other things. I know a lot of people have blamed Blake Baker for the defense's shortcomings, and they're going to lie. I mean, early on against NC State, it looked like we were playing just like a vanilla defense, and we couldn't do anything. Is it more the personnel as it goes on, or what's going on with the defense early on? Because Adam, the first three I, I, quarters. I've been saying it's the personnel from before a single snap was taken this season. I mean, I look at our defense. Um, I think the defensive tackle position is very average. Um, you know, Nesta flashes from time to time, and I thought he played great in the fourth yeah. quarter the other night. But my next question is, why didn't he play great in the first three quarters? You know, the, he, he was clearly making a much bigger impact on that game in the fourth quarter yeah. when he when he picked it up than he was in the first three quarters. Now, you know, I'm not going to yeah. say accuse him of loafing or anything like that, but he was a different player in the fourth quarter. So, you know, to me, the challenge to the coaches is you got to get that out of Nesta earlier in the game. Um, but, you know, beyond that, you know, I, I mean, I, I think um, Hunti is, um, is making uh, big, you know, he's made decent strides this year, but I'm not yeah. ready to say he's a great defensive tackle. Um, I think John Ford and Jordan Miller have been extremely average this whole season. So I don't think the defensive tackle position is, is great. I think it's okay. Okay. Um, the ends are obviously good, Phillips and, and, and Quincy Roche, but I don't think either one of them are necessarily like have been dominant. I mean, they, they, they've been good and they've each had their moments where they've been dominant, but I don't know that they've been consistently dominant. Their sack totals are not that imposing. Um, I think they're good players and, you know, I think Phillips, should he choose to come back okay. next year, which I don't know if he will or not, could really be good next year. I think, you know, he's, he's showing a little rust to me from not playing football yeah. for a while. And, and, you know, he has great moments and then, you know, uh, not great moments, whatever. But, like, he's, he's obviously a good player. He's a freak athlete. Um, 
But, yeah. you know, it's good. But uh, to me, the linebacker position is not very good, Adam. I don't think the cornerback position okay. is, very, is very, very good. And I don't think the safeties, I think they're okay, but I don't think they make any plays. Like, you're not seeing them making plays on the ball. You're not seeing them get interceptions. Um, they're not forcing fumbles. Um, the turnover chain is hardly ever coming out. Uh, I know it came out at the end of the game the other night, but that you know that was yeah. kind of like a, almost like a fluke interception. I mean, it was you know the the, the, the ball bounced off the receiver. Uh, so you know, I, I think if you look at it honestly and objectively, it's an average defense. And you okay. know, on the Blake on the Blake Baker question, like I don't understand this whole outrage over Blake Baker. Blake Baker is not a traditional defensive coordinator. Blake Baker was brought to Miami because he's a Manny Diaz disciple. They worked together at Louisiana Tech. Manny taught him his defensive system there. And Manny brought him in here to run his defensive system. And Manny spends the the majority of his time on the practice field with Blake Baker and the defense. They they build the they build the game plan together. They coach the defense together. Manny's on the headset throughout the game. If Manny wants to make a call, Manny obviously has veto authority and can make any call he wants during the course of the game. And I'm sure he does. And I think to just isolate on Blake Baker and make make him like a coach D like scapegoat yeah. for what people perceive as the defense not being good enough is very unfair. And I don't think it's justified. Yeah. And I don't think that the expectations for the defense should be higher than what you're getting that yeah. has been good enough to, to get to six and one. Okay. And final thing with the decommitment of Tim Burns, and I'm getting the sense that it was more mutual parting of the ways. Is there a concern since that's the second kid that we pretty much dropped from Northwestern that that could have some long-term effects that kids from Northwestern will say, Oh, Miami will give you an offer and then they can pull it just like that. Or is that more the nature of the beast of recruiting? You know, Adam, uh, well, first I'll say, I don't, not sure it was so mutual. I, I, you know, I think Uh, that, I think that that was something that had to happen. I personally didn't think that that commitment ever should have been taken. And I, you know, I think that that, that this is one of the areas of the program that that continues to need to be cleaned up. Like you should be able to go get Tim Burns on almost on signing day. Like it's like, I, I, I think they sometimes get overcommitted with guys that are not, top shelf recruits and you know maybe that keeps them a little bit from you know reaching higher in recruiting and i'm of the opinion that this program needs to reach higher in recruiting i you know i i've said it for several years now and you know if you look back at the recruiting classes i mean i've been saying this for 10 years and if you look back at all these recruiting classes for the last 10 years the evidence supports what i've been saying for these last 10 years and that's that the recruiting evaluation has not been good enough um the they're not getting enough impact players in in recruiting uh and too many scholarships year to year are being wasted to the point where this program has almost been on self-imposed probation and what you're seeing as this team goes six and one this year and if you look back at the last five recruiting classes it is littered with exactly what i'm talking about adam when you you see the potential that this program has i mean they're six and one no, they couldn't stay with Clemson, of course, because we don't have anywhere near the roster to stay with Clemson. But 
you could beat everybody else without even having to play yeah. your best. I mean, I mean, so you know, the, the ACC is full of average teams, and we've brought ourselves back to the pack to where every single game we play, whether it's Virginia, you know, whether it's Pittsburgh, whether it's North Carolina State. Um, might see the same thing Saturday at Virginia Tech. Uh, you might see it at Wake Forest. You'll probably see it against North Carolina later in the year. And you might even see it against Georgia Tech. And every game is a life or death battle because we have brought ourselves back to the pack because of recruiting. And there are good coaches in this conference who could take average yeah. talent and put a game plan together and give, you, and, and, and give you a tight game for four quarters. And that's what we're seeing. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for taking my call, Gary. Have a great rest of the show. All right, Adam. Thanks for getting us going. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to be a part of it. Let's go out now to the 845, where I believe our man Greg, beaten to the punch yet again, he hasn't been doing really well in that regard this year, but he's here, and I'm sure he's got a lot of great things to say. Greg, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. Yeah, I got plenty to say. Okay, let's start off. Once again, first drive, North Carolina State, right down the field, no answer from Manny Diaz. Second drive, same thing. What is the reason we're not – how come we, we don't know what they're going to – ever know what they're going to do on offense? I don't, I don't think that was the case, Greg. Greg, what? against Virginia – I think that, that was a little bit of the case against Virginia. But against NC State, I think they were just getting beat. And, you know, you heard what – I'm sure you, you were – I know you were on the line, so you heard what I just said to Adam. And I think that applies. Like, you know, the other team is looking at our defense. They're evaluating our personnel. They're looking for spots where they feel their personnel can exploit our personnel, and, and, they're, and they're attacking it. And I think you're seeing them having success doing so. I mean, that, that, you know, they're, they're, they had a couple decent receivers that were you know, eating Al Blades alive the other night. You know? and, and, and DJ Ivy got, you know, got beat a couple times. And, and you know, I think you're just seeing that you know, Tim Beck for NC State is a decent offensive coordinator. I'm not going to say he's great. But he's been around for a while. Um, he'd be great if he was using number seven, that running back, a little bit more. You know, I, I don't understand how you can have a talent like that. And I think he only had like 12 touches in the game. But, you know, that's their problem. But, um, you know, you put it all together, decent offensive coordinator, some decent players. He, he had a good tight end. I thought the quarterback, the, their, I know he's their backup. I thought he was playing at a, at, a, at a reasonable level the other night. And their receivers were making plays, making tough catches. And when a team is, comes out and is having success like that, I think it also puts the defensive coaches a little bit on the defensive. Like they're, they're seeing that their guys are getting beat. And they're not looking to necessarily expose them by leaving them on an island and blitzing all kinds of guys and stuff like that that would allow them to get exposed even more. And, you know, I think that the personnel and the success has at times dictated the degree of aggressiveness in, in play calling on that side of the ball. And I think you also got to consider that with the offense, you know, 
trying to be an up-tempo offense. Uh, I personally think they've dialed back the tempo a, a, a lot. I, you know, I don't, I mean, I think they're playing with some tempo, but I don't, it doesn't seem to me like they're, they're playing at the same tempo as they intended to. And we're playing at early in the season. And I think that some of that might be designed to protect the defense a little bit and, and keep the play counts manageable uh, because, you know, the depth is not really great and certainly not developed depth and they are getting beat at times. So, you know, that's what I see now. I know not everybody agrees with that, but I, my expectations for defense are not being unmet. I mean, this is about what I, I personally expected. Okay. Manny Diaz, this is his fifth year with Miami in the program, correct? Three years with, as a coordinator uh-huh. and two years as the coach. He recruited every player on that defense, okay? Correct. Either from the transfer portal or from recruiting. And he's in charge of developing that talent. He has failed miserably, Okay. If you're telling me the talent isn't up to par, who is that on? That's on Manny Diaz. Well, no let, let me let me say this, Greg. How about if think about if we weren't like killing the transfer portal? I mean, imagine this defense with no Phillips, no Roche, no Bubba Bolden. Uh, I mean, does that that wouldn't be very pretty, right? <laughs> Nope, if you took, if you, if you had to take those three guys out of the equation, so you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you're making a great point, and you know, here's what I'll say, you know, Manny Diaz has never been considered a great recruiter anywhere he's been in college football. Um, you know, I, he's just an, you know been another coach in that regard. Um, Manny's calling card has been an aggressive style of defense and. Sometimes, you know, it works. Sometimes it doesn't. He's given up a lot of yards and a lot of games through the years. He came to Miami. He had the right talent to use for his system when he arrived here under Mark Richt. You know, I thought, you know, we can knock Golden and um, Coach D endlessly, very legitimately. But the one thing they did do is recruit some decent players. Like, you know, you, you, you know, the, the, the red wines and the Jaquan Johnson's and the, the Joe Jackson's and the Garvin's and like, you know, you can go on and on, um, you know, a whole bunch of them. So, you know, we did have some decent players, especially in the secondary. Uh, all of our safeties are in the national football league and, you know, you, Michael Jackson was a good college corner. I mean, you know, we could go on and on about the talent that was on the defense the first couple of years that, that, that we were here, that Manny was here. And he put a representative defense out on the field. And, you know, but now Mark Rick leaves and Blake James is sitting there and, you know, he made the decision to put Manny in this job. Now, you know, I, you can't blame Manny for it. Like, Manny, what would you rather be, the head coach at Temple or the head coach at Miami? I mean, Manny parlayed what he did the first couple of years here at Miami into the Temple head coaching job. That was his opportunity to be a head coach. And, it, you know, I personally have always felt it would have been in his best interests to go be a head coach at Temple for, for three, four, five years, L- you know, learn how to be a head coach, develop maybe some recruiting networks and things around the country that might help him. Um, 
But there's a big difference between being a, a coordinator and, and a head coach. And, you know, Blake, Blake James chose to put him in that position of, of now he's got to try to recruit for Miami. And if you're going to recruit right at, uh, at Miami, you got to be able to go compete against Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and, and Clemson and those kind of schools to get the kind of players that would allow Miami to be what everybody wants Miami to be. And to me, Manny's been put in an unfair situation because Manny has never been that guy, okay? And I'm not knocking Manny. I think Manny has been unbelievable in 2020. I thought he predictably struggled in 2019, his first year as a head coach. Um, I thought it went as, as obviously poorly as it could possibly go. But, like, he picked himself up off the canvas and it's been unbelievable this year. I mean, I, th- I think you would agree with that, Greg, so in, in every way, like, you know, hiring Lashley, the other offensive coaches. I mean, Rob Likens, clearly a huge upgrade at wide receiver. Garen Justice, obviously a huge upgraded offensive line. Um, you know, then the, getting the Eric King, I, I mean, I know Lashley had a lot to do with that, but he had to hire Lashley first, and then they recruit the Eric King, and now you have an elite quarterback who's totally transformed the whole program and taken what really is an average roster to 6-1. and one. Um, So Manny's had a great 2020, plus we're winning these games instead of losing them. So no knocking Manny at all. I mean, it's been great, but – but at the same time, the only way it goes to the next level is through recruiting elite players. And, you know, Miami's always going to have good, good enough talent to be what we're seeing right now. You know, you got James Williams, Leonard Taylor coming in next year, a decent recruiting class. This recruiting class was good, Greg. So we're always going to have good enough players to be a representative team. Um, but when you talk about getting to the Ohio State, Alabama, you know, Georgia level, Clemson level, which you have to be able to do to to be what everybody wants this program to be. Um, it's got to come through recruiting. Okay, Manny was Temple's fourth choice, but he was our first choice. That's scary. Anyway, uh, is it? True but he is six and one, Greg. He's, he he is six and one. You got to give him credit. Okay. Did he take over the play calling at the end of that game this week on defense? I don't know the answer to that question. What, the way I can answer that is Manny can always make a play call anytime he wants. Okay. I have one. Last so it, so if, he, the- if he decided to make the calls on that last drive, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. And, okay. and, 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 and you, know what, you know what, Greg? If he did – I don't blame him one bit for doing that because at the end of the day, what this program does isn't on Blake Baker. It's on Manny Diaz. And, you know, Manny Diaz, he can't be losing these games to NC State and these teams this year like he did last year. And if he thinks he's got to step in at a certain point and make a couple calls, um, even if it means that he's disrespecting his defensive coordinator a little bit, then that's, that's tough, man. This is a big boy game. And it's not a sad statement on Blake Baker, okay? Um, Manny Diaz is the head coach. And head coaches are supposed to make calls that, that help decide games. You know, they're not just supposed to sit there with their arms crossed. So I have no problem. If, if that is the way it played out, which it might have been, I have no problem with it. Okay. Uh, my last point, uh, on the board, this guy, Honey, made a comment that Clemson is done after Trevor Lawrence is 
gone. Did he watch this quarterback they have now? Kid was the number one recruit in the country. He was the number one recruit. Yeah, he's going to be great. I mean, he's just just getting started. I mean, once he figures out what he's doing, they're not going to have a big drop-off from Trevor Lawrence with that kid. Not at all. All right. uh, I'm predicting two things. Miami will win 42-24 this week, and De'Eric King will definitely return in 2021. You heard it here first. Goodbye. You, all right, Greg. You know, De'Ara King returning in 2021, I, I, I might have agreed a couple of weeks ago. But I think as that guy keeps putting up games like he did this last week, I, I mean, you know, he can go the Lou Headley route and say, I'm coming back, you know, and, and obviously we all hope he does. But I think he's playing himself into being drafted at some point, whether it's fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, you know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes and then I'll get a read on that. um, And we'll see what's up, but at the level he's playing at, it's going to be hard to make an argument that he should come back. Um, You know, this was his showcase year and I, I wouldn't make that prediction because I just think it's going to make too much sense for him to go try to be a pro. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go now to the 870. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? This is Lemuel. Hey, what's up, Lemuel? How are you doing, How are you doing this week, man? I'm good. Okay, so Gary, get ready. I'm coming for you now. I'm ready, right, baby. So, Shoot. All right, we, we talk about this defense, and I know you're saying that this is pretty average. I'm going to go and run by a couple of numbers. Silvera was the 121st best player in the nation. Uh, Bubba Bolden was All-American. Uh, Phillips was regarded as a top five player in the nation. Al Blaze was the 59th ranked player in the nation. Um, Frierson, Gil Frierson was a top 150 player in the nation. Uh, Georgia wanted him. Amari Carter, Notre Dame wanted him. Takori Couch had a, um, was going to Michigan. We got him from Michigan. Zach McLeod, four star. Um, um, going through another uh, the Blissett kid from New York, four star kid. People wanted our deep our backup defensive ends pretty good. Chance Williams, yeah, he's a freshman, but Clemson are playing freshman too. Um, pretty good, top ranked player. So as I go to the to that, and I go to which team do I have here? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a pretty good D year in, year out. Don't you agree, Gary? Yeah. Okay, so we're average. Now, Pittsburgh is better than us on defense. This is their class rankings for the last three years, 48th, 55th, and 45th. Ours is 8th, 27th, and 16th. So, Gary, I'm here to tell you, it has to be development. It ain't talent. We need to quit that. Is, is development. The proof is right here. Could, it it I, could I be. Oh, I went to Georgia Tech, the team that beat us last year, 44th, 50th, and they just a last class right now. Their freshman is 27. These are teams that we struggle with. They are nowhere near in talent. Nowhere near defensively anything. Um, I went to NC State, 2018-26. Then they were 32nd, and then they were 43rd. I say that to say all of this. There's talent on the team. It's not average. We need to stop that. 
No other team in the ACC with, with the, the bomb teams that we've been beating got a 59th-ranked player in the nation that's a cornerback. Nobody else has it. Nobody else on their defense has a player that Georgia wanted in Gilbert Friarson. NC State don't have it. Tech don't have it. Pittsburgh don't have it. Paris Ford, probably only one, don't have that. So when we start looking at the players and say, oh, we, he's okay, well, I'm looking at Pittsburgh. They got they full of uh, John Ford and Jordan Miller that they developed. So where is it? The drop-off is I, I just don't want us to say that it's, it's talent. No, 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 no. Because I also look at these rankings. Mostly every year we are finished second in the ACC in recruiting. At that time, probably behind Clemson or Florida State, second or third. So the talent is there. So what this comes down to is development. Second point I want to get to, because I've been um, – I've coached the last couple of years, been coached this year. Thank you. have have time for myself. But one thing I know, even though, like you're saying, that managed defense, it don't work like that when you're play caller. You don't have the time to go in each and every play to say, hey, this is my input of that, because you're so busy trying to get down the distance, you having guys upstairs in your earphones, in your in your ear saying, Hey, this guy this guy's pulling out every play, this guy's doing this. So you're calling the defense based on all of that and you're calling and you're in the rhythm. Well so, you're calling the defense not- based on your game plan, Lemuel, right? Yeah, yeah, when you yeah. agree, you like you, during during the week, you 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 make the decisions on what you're going to call in different situations. But, but it always adjusts, like you said. Uh, if when Manny came out, he said, "Well, especially Virginia and the other teams, they did a lot of things we didn't see on film." So when you're play calling, you don't see it on film. There's adjustments being made from the guys upstairs telling you what's going on. So you have to adjust on the fly. It, 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 you know. Everybody comes in with a game plan. Everybody does. But I'm going to tell you, when we have this game plan, it is very seldom does everything hit on the game plan because guess what? The other team, too, has a game plan. And they know, and they have seen film, too. So they adjust on what they've seen. So it's going to be different than what you have seen. So all of that is adjustment on the fly. So a defensive coordinator, when he's calling defense, it's about a feel. No matter if he's calling Manny Diaz defense, he can call Jesus defense. If he don't have a feel for the game and he can't call plays accordingly, he's going to be different than when Manny calls the defense. If you look at that fourth quarter, I do believe Manny Diaz called that defense. He had the play sheet out, and it seemed like it changed when Manny Diaz started picking up the defensive play call. Same defense, Gary. Like you said, it's Manny's defense. Same defense, a different result because the play caller has a different feel. So no matter how we say, oh, it's many defense, it's still different because it's a field. Uh, Gus Maldron and his offense at Auburn had Red Lashley as his offensive coordinator. Gus Maldron was thinking it up. He gave the play calls to Red Lashley. Red Lashley improved the offense, okay? It's, get, it's Gus Maldron's offense. Why is it that Gus Maldron's play calling was – why is the offense performing differently calling plays than Gus Maldron? It's the same offense. Because the play caller has a different feel. So it doesn't matter who's defense or who, who, all that don't matter. It's the guy that's calling the plays. Does he get a feel for what the offense doing and how well can he adjust on the fly and communicate? I watch my biggest pet peeve on defense is the edge. And a lot of times when the pass rush, we have no edge on the pass rush. 
we always have guys dipping in, stunning in, and I think it's by design because I see it so often, and they like the quarterback flushing out, which is crazy because you just give up the edge. The quarterback can just step up and get running lanes. But that's their design. So, but when I see Manny Diaz call plays, he called plays according that was set that edge so you don't have that. It's a difference. So when we look at those things, we can't just say, oh, it's just average players, because I just named the players and I just named what every other average ACC team has, and we got better. So it's no excuse. So on that end, it has to be somewhere where it's a breakdown in Blake Baker. It's no, no doubt about it. There's no, it's proof right here. Yeah, but, got the proof. It's I proof. mean, I get what you're, I get what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of it. But like, it, that doesn't want. I mean, Manny does the game plan with Blake Baker. And and Manny can Manny can Manny can give his input anytime he wants. I mean, you know, to me, that's Manny's that's Manny's defense. When you coach that, all that goes to when you coaching and you calling plays on the game set. I don't know if you know how fast it goes, but you don't really have the input there. It's before it's before the game when we off on the sideline. But while I'm calling plays, you can't really. It's almost a crazy rule to mess with a play caller. So when the play caller is in the rhythm, he's engaged, he calls the plays, whatever, that, it don't matter if it is Manny Diaz defense. Blake Baker does not have the feel, okay? He doesn't have the feel for the game to be able to execute this defense at a higher level. You saw the difference when Manny Diaz took over the play caller sheet. It was a total difference because he has a same defense, has a better feel for how to call the defense. So when we're looking at this team, I want us to make sure that we're not sitting here talking about, well, this is what we should expect because they average on defense. No, because we play in NC State, and it shows right here, they recruiting class nowhere close to ours. When we played but, Georgia State last year, no. But Lemuel. I even got North Carolina. You know, close. were the results really that different when Manny was the defensive coordinator? I mean, think back when Rick was here. Yeah. And all the at all the games we lost. I mean, we lost plenty of games where the defense didn't. You know, Manny called every single play. I mean, you know, I get it. You're, we're, but we're talking literally. Let's say Manny took over the fourth quarter the other night, which we don't know that he made every call in the fourth quarter. But let's say let's say he made let's just say he made every call in the fourth quarter. You're talking about six plays, six plays in in, in a game where NC State ran. Um, 63. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you know, just, you know, it, we don't know for sure what would have happened if he was the defensive coordinator for the entire game or whatever. Manny's had plenty of games on, as, as a defensive coordinator through the years where teams just ran roughshod over his defense. Okay. Well, I, let's, let, I mean, let's be honest. It's not. I'm not criticizing okay. him. I'm, it's, there there okay. were plenty of them. Yeah. Well, I'm going to that year when Mike Ritt, Mark Ritt, sorry, um, won those nine, ten games for us. And that defense that year basically is the reason that we were able to get those ten wins. So we had a defense. We got turnovers. All right? We got turnovers. And the cornerback play was much better. Secondary play was much better. Better personnel, right, Lemuel? We had better personnel, wouldn't you agree? Well, the person, in 2016, 2017, don't you think we had better personnel than we have today? Eh, eh, eh. I wouldn't go that far because when I look at and I see that you get players that's ranked in the top 60, when you get players that – Yeah, but you can't just, you can't just go by recruiting oh, oh, rankings. Oh, oh, 
I get that, Gary. But let's put it like this. How about this then? If we can't go by recruiting rankings, why you can't go just by recruiting rankings? Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. Let's Let's go to Alabama right now. They have Wright um, from Fort Lauderdale. Um, They have Battles, Jordan Battles, Josh Job, and Patrick Sertan. All right. Mm -hmm. So let's go and say if you mean to tell me. That Gervin Hall would have would play the same way if he went to Alabama, it, it just don't make no sense. It, 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 Gervin Hall's not as good a player as the, as, as as the guys you mentioned. Uh, you know why? Because he ain't being developed. That's why. Well, and that might be that, now that might be that might be true, but he's just, but he's not as good a player. That, that might be point. the reason. You, you could be right, Lemuel, but he's just not. He's not as good a player as that, you know. My point is the development in the coaching. You just made it for me. Because mm-hmm. if you get all these players, Pope, you can't tell me he's going to achieve going because uh, Alabama got some John Messi kid that's killer. I mean, they just just it don't matter who we're developing anybody. They got John Messi out there killing. So it gets down to the development, uh, Gary. And with these rankings and how all these players come out, now everything ain't rankings. But you mean to tell me at a consistent? I got a consistent batch. This is three years of players, and you mean to tell me these are the same average results? With better players, that's development. That's all I got to say, Gary. I'll, I'll you, you, Lemuel, you could be absolutely right. But for whether it's development or, you know, the the, the one thing I'm going to say about the, the the stars and that, you know, that every year, if you take a football team um, that theoretically has players from five recruiting classes, you're talking about at least 1,300 four-star players in that in that five-year cycle. Uh, in the recruiting rankings, uh, that's a lot of players. And if you're not getting the right four stars, the four stars don't really mean that much. And and all 1,300 of those kids are not really four stars. You know, they're you know, it, I think there's too many four stars personally. I th- I think that's way too many. But this is the thing. Why is it that all our four stars are wrong and everybody else four stars are right? That's my issue. You can't. Uh-huh. We can't. That that if, doesn't if, that go to evaluation, Lemuel? Evaluation, man. But it's development because let's say and 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 it could be and it could be development, yes. But it starts with evaluation. I'm gonna give you an example that you were bringing on years ago. Remember Navon Donaldson? How high you was on Navon Donaldson? You was high, super high. Man, we got to get Navon Donaldson. They we had to get him. He was he, he was a, he was a, he was a good offensive lineman from Dade County. You got to win on those guys. He was he was, and I agree with you. I was I was right with you. Now how is? But it? you're not counting on him ballooning up to 400 pounds either. I mean that's on him. But, but, oh, okay, but every play every top player that we get, it's a story like that, Gary. Okay, what about Pope? Well, he busted out. What about Hall? Well, he's not as good. What about Blaze? Oh, well, he's not as good. It's, it it's evaluation. Top. It's evaluation in a lot of cases. Like, you know, Mark Pope. Like, what's held Mark Pope back? Is it that he's not fast uh, enough? I, no, I can tell you it's, it's the development of our offense. Listen, you can't say No, no, wait, 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 wait. Stop for one sec. Let's talk about Mark Pope for one minute. Okay, what's held Mark Pope back? If you asked me that question, I would say – strength and i would say he's a little mentally soft and that that's hurt him okay. and 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 those two things strength has kept him from being able to explode off the line of scrimmage and and beat people off the line of scrimmage and he hasn't always shown a lot of mental toughness and to me that's okay. what's held mark pope back what would you say and i i could counter that because Deshaun jackson is 165 soaking wet right now 
right? Deshaun mm-hmm. Jackson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So same skill set. Okay. So what that means to tell me is when you have a pro style offense that's not meant for kids that has an open space for for being in space because that's what his talent is. He's really a slot receiver that needs to be in space because his speed needs to let out. But if you've been here in two years, you watched our offense last year. You can't blame really none of the players for Enos because that was horrible. And then the year before that, Mark Rick, that was horrible. Malik Rogier was our quarterback, which is pretty much uh, – I'm trying to think of a quarterback that I could compare to that was pretty bad. But, I mean, you look at that. So, we never really had a system that fit our players. Our players are based on speed and space, but that's, you know, we've been saying that for two years and we finally got it. But you mean to tell me Alabama wanted him, so their evaluation was bad? No, Alabama wanted Gervin Hall. That evaluation bad? We don't know that. We don't. We don't know that they really. They, we don't know that they really wanted Gervin Hall. Okay. That's. I mean, you would say Alabama wanted Christian Williams too. Like, like Alabama. Everybody wants to say Alabama wants everybody, but. Alabama usually gets what Alabama wants. Right, right, right. But hold on, hold on. Jordan Battle was, was nowhere at high school. If I can compare him at high school, he was nowhere good as uh, Gervin Hall in high school. He wasn't. So they got Jordan Battle. So, when, again, when we go back to it, when we talk about evaluation, kept flirting with Nesta, Florida wanted Nesta. We, um, Gervin Hall was wanted by Bama. Uh, Pope was wanted by Bama, Al Blaze, everybody who's going to go to Miami, so they didn't touch him. Everybody will want him. Sequoia Cap, Michigan wanted him. All right. So we're looking at these at, at, um, USC with uh, our safeties. Notre Dame wanted Amari Carter. So Keyshawn Washington is a pretty good safety. Harris is a pretty good safety. Like, so when we go through this, all of these, these players, these other teams was making evaluations too, these top teams. Are they evaluations bad? The product show their evaluations ain't bad to develop. It's just all to it. And Blake Baker does not have a feel for the defense at all. People wide open. You should know coming up, you should have a, a, a field that's second and seven or second and three coming up, what a team is going to do based on film. You should have a feel of making sure to make NC State beat you. And B, I, w- I wouldn't say press and just play man, but you should be able to dictate what any team does, live or die. When D- Manny Diaz was the defense, he was going to say, hey, we're going to be aggressive, and you're going to have to beat us being aggressive. Blake Baker sits back there, lets you catch the ball, lets you catch the ball, stuff wide open. And I'm going to tell you what shows where it's not the preparation is bad. This I'm going to get off. When a team comes out, every team that we play, when they first come out on the first drive, they score, and it's and it's not even it's nowhere near hard. It is very easy for every team on the first drive they come out and score every time, and it's nowhere near hard. And I'm gonna tell you, you can say there's game plan with Manny Diaz, but I'm telling you, that is on the defensive coordinator. I don't care who defense it is. I don't care if you've been coaching with Jesus and he gave you the game plan. If you can't call plays on defense, it shows. I'm, Lemuel, I'm it also could be a good job out of the offensive coordinator in game planning. Let's let, you know. Let's give it fair, you know, fair credit. Okay. All right, man. Listen, uh, okay. hey, great All call, right. great call, great points. Um, you know, the, 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 on the development front, you know, uh, we don't really know if that's the only reason. I mean, I get what you're saying, but you know, 
we don't know, we can't, it's hard for us to know for sure that development is the reason why guys might not play as well as we think they should. You know, maybe Gervin Hall is playing as well as Gervin Hall can play. You know, who, who knows? But anyway, hey, awesome call, and uh, give us a call next week. All right, thank you. Yep. All right, 563-999-3550, 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, I think now is a great time to bring in our Kane Sport Managing Editor, Matt Shodell for his uh, weekly visit to Kane Sport Live. And uh, Matt, welcome back. And man, there's a lot after that last call. I mean, I thought Lemuel, Lemuel brought it pretty good tonight. And I'd love to get, you know, your opinion on a couple of those things. So why don't we put you on the spot and start out with his Blake Baker argument. And should Manny Diaz just be his own defensive coordinator? And then uh, let's talk a little bit about player development. Does Miami do a good enough job developing the players that it does recruit? You with us, Matt? You there? Oh, here I am. I'm here. Oh, okay. Did you hear what I did? Did you hear my questions, or were you? Yes, yes. No, I I, I guess I was having a Zoom moment somehow over your Blog Talk Radio. I don't know how that's possible, but I did. Um, okay, so yeah, so the Blake Baker thing. So, um, so with Blake, I, I guess my thoughts on it are, you know, it, it's like you know Blake and and Banda are co-coordinators, but really Manny Diaz is still the coordinator. Like every time we ask him about practice and the offensive side, he's like, well, I spend my time in practice on the defensive side. So he he's like, it sounds like he's like really not, um, you know, in practice, at least a head coach in practice, he's really involved in the defensive side and leaving the offensive side to Brett Lashley. I think it's very obvious. So if yep. you don't think he's like really having a say in, in how they're going to be calling the defense and what they're going to be doing, uh, you know, that he's on Blake Baker's ears in certain situations. I mean, I'm sure that's the case. Um, and I will also say like, you know, Miami's always had great leaders on defense player wise, like the Ed Reeds and all that stuff. But like, it bothered me a little bit that, you know, Manny keeps saying how this is a different team and they don't need, you know, they, they, they're not overlooking anyone anymore. It's a different culture. But then at the same time, there's this like dichotomy where Gil Frierson literally had to stand up at halftime and his message wasn't like this Ed Reed message. It was more like, you know, what are you guys doing? Like uh, our heads are in the clouds, you know, like let's just play football like we're supposed to play it. Like that shouldn't be something you have to say anymore. Right. If that's really the case and what many of you have said that this team really has overcome these obstacles and is taking every team like a new team every week, then Gil Fireson would not have had to stand up at halftime and say, you know, we're not taking this game seriously and get your heads together and let's go, you know, like that's not something you have to do. So that's a little worrisome on defense. Player development wise, um, look, I, I mean, it's only been a, 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 on defense, I think there's been decent player development. You look at the Corey Couch as like a perfect example. He came in, he was nowhere ready to play last year. And you could see even on special teams, like he was just sort of running around very light. You know, he had the speed and stuff, but you could see he needed a lot of development. And this year he's really looked good. So, like, you can certainly point to several players on defense and say, okay, they've improved. Um, you know, Rhett Lassie just got here on offense. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder to say on offense. But I think the player development's been good. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm a real proponent. I know some, some fans disagree with me, but I'm a real proponent of if you're a great coach and you have bad players, you're going to lose games. And if you're an average coach and you have great players, you're going to win games. That's just how I feel about it, okay? Um, 
And, you know, you can argue about that or, or not. But, like, if Manny Diaz, and if you guys out there, some of you might think he's an average coach, well, if he brings in and he has Alabama talent, they're going to be playing Clemson in the ACC title game every year. That's my opinion, okay? Um, can a great coach make a difference in a couple of games a year with, it, with a team that's, like, sort of maybe a little below the talent level of other teams? Yeah, but I'm talking about, like, a, a real high-level talent, you know, which is, which is what they need to recruit to. Uh, and so the bigger question to me in player development isn't player development. It's like they need to get the recruits in here because if they're not getting the top recruits, there's only so much high of a ceiling you're going to have with the guys you bring in. And they, they need to be recruiting at a, you know, I'm not a big fan guy, a big star guy, but I mean, they need to bring in the five-star, four-star guys who actually are four- and five-star guys, you know, not the guys who show up and all of a sudden they're two-star guys. Um, so yeah, I was trying to explain that. that to Lemuel. Like, like and, and I know it's like, you know, listen, you, you people – evaluate the kids in high school and they give them a star ranking. Um, and I know Al Blades had a four-star ranking. When I watched Al Blades, I saw a three-star talent. That's my personal opinion. When I watched him in high school, and I think you, you and I talked about it a lot. Yeah, Al Blades I mean, I, and I, John I, Campbell, we both felt that they weren't yes. like the highest level guys that we saw. No, absolutely guys. not. Yeah, John Campbell absolutely was not a four-star talent. And, you know, I, I remember – thinking that and you and I discussing it at, at, at the time. So the rankings aren't always going to be spot on. Uh, the analysts are seeing these kids for a very brief time, uh, sometimes only once. And, you know, they're not going to get every single ranking right. The rankings are a fun barometer for all of us every year to look at and to evaluate recruiting classes and assign team rankings, but they're not an absolute. And there's a lot of four-star kids. Like I told Lemuel, if you take a five-year cycle, which is a typical football team, you know, you're talking 13, 1400 kids that have a four-star ranking. So you're absolutely, you and I totally agree. It's, it's which four stars you're getting. And that comes down to your ability to evaluate talent. And that's where guys like Butch Davis were just unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean, I'll go back to I, – I remember, I remember walking into um, a Miami coach's office back in the day, and this was during the Larry Coker era, okay? I think it was actually Larry Coker's first year as head coach. Um, and I don't want to say who the coach was, but, I, I, you know, they used to let us actually go into the offices for interviews in the coach's offices. I don't do that anymore. And I walk in, and this coach has up on his screen the Rivals.com rankings. And, yes, there was Rivals.com back then. And um, – you know, we sort of talked about it, and he's saying he's trying to find recruits off the rankings that they can go after. You know, and back then, look, anybody that you recruited was coming to Miami in those days, okay? I mean, they all wanted to come here. But they started recruiting off lists. And to me, that was as big a reason as any that I can point to for why the program started to falter. And once a program falters, um, and this is something I talked about on the boards this week, once the program falters, it's a lot harder to bring it back up. Just like when you're at the top, it's a lot easier to keep it going, right? Because when you're winning, 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 top recruits want to go there, right? Because if you're winning, 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 you've got the top players and they're going to the NFL and making money. And that's what guys want in high school. When you're losing, 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 or not putting guys in the NFL because of that, um, because obviously you don't, have, you don't have that kind of level that you're putting these guys in the NFL, players aren't going to want to come there, right? So that's, you know, that was sort of the argument I was trying to make to some fans this week on the message boards where it's like, okay, great. You want to play Clemson? I get it. That's what Miami's always wanted to do. We want to play the best. We want to beat the best. That's the Miami Hurricanes. That's what we are, right? But you have to get to the point of this program where you're winning games to the point that top recruits around the country, not just in Miami, want to come here because we already know that Miami kids are going to come here and some aren't, okay? That's just the way it is. It's just modern-day recruiting. So you've got to be a national program. You're not going to be a national program at Miami right now based on the last 10 to 15 years uh, of success slash failure. 
until you get back to that 10 wins for two, three, four years in a row. Then you're getting all these top kids from California and from all these other states that you can really cherry pick. And, and then it's just a rolling ball, like what Alabama has done and LSU and recruiting and Georgia and recruiting, things like that. And to get to that level, you can't get blown up by Clemson twice in the same year. You can't lose to Clemson in the last game of the ACC title game and then lose a bowl game and then go into the offseason hoping you're going to all of a sudden get attract, you know, attract all these top kids here. But if you somehow pull out a bowl game, you wind up 11-1, and one, you get tons of buzz, top five team heading to the next year, and then maybe the next year you do really well because you just stacked a recruiting class on top of another recruiting class, then you get a third recruiting class on top of that. That's how you get the ball rolling, and that's why I'm telling people maybe it's not so bad if they don't play Clemson at the end of the year this year, you know, because other schools do negative recruit. Oh, why would you go there? Look what just happened at the end of the season. They got killed by Clemson again. They lost a bowl game. Look at us, you know. It, it's a problem. Um, and, and until fans understand, make the sacrifice for a year or two where you are getting those 10 or 11 wins maybe without having to face Clemson twice and stack the recruiting classes, and then you can compete with Clemson on an even playing field and then play anyone you want. That's where I'm. That's that's sort of my point. I want to get there. I don't want to, you know, be like one of these. Uh, a perfect example in the NFL, right? If you're a team that's in the middle, you know, middle of the pack, eight and eight, um, nine and seven every year, you're not getting a top draft pick. You're not going to get those studs that are going to really elevate you to that next level, right? And um, and that's sort of where Miami's been. They're just sort of in the middle. They're not really standing out to recruits. But if they can get in that top pack for two or three years in a row. Still be getting top national recruits, I'm telling you, and and um, yeah, well, and that's the key. We got to get there. But to to me, they've been in the middle because they haven't recruited well enough. And you could go back to the last ten years, and and we do it well, every year. It's, we'll, a recur- it, it, it's like yeah. a recurring cycle. It's a recurring that, cycle. It, yeah, yeah. It's not they a byproduct schedule and, or who you're playing and 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 looking for a softer out to to make yourself look like something you're not it's about coaches like like when butch davis had his best recruiting classes we we were on probation winning five five games i mean you know and they were down to like 14 scholarships or something like that and that you know a he, era. That's when all the well he was the bad no it, it was him it, he made it a different era like that guy was it was you know, he and Jimmy Johnson together. Well, he's like, an evaluator for sure. Yeah, they, yeah, they refined the, the evaluation of recruits. And Butch Davis used to sit in there at ten and eleven o'clock at night with Pete Garcia, and they would just sit there and evaluate kids and and decide who was going to make the cut and who was not. And they were unbelievable at it. And um, you know, to me, like the formula is, yeah, yeah. Every, we all talk about you got to dominate Dade County. You got to dominate Dade, Dade County. Yeah, you do need to dominate Dade County. You need to dominate Dade County by getting the best players in Dade County. But that doesn't mean you fill a 20, 25 man recruiting class of all kids from Dade and Broward County. Like that's not going to get it done in my opinion. Like you got to be able to, to get the best in Dade and Broward. Then you got to be able to go up the state and get yourself some more starter level players. And then you got to be able to leave the state of Florida and you got to be able to identify and recruit players like Ed Reed, Reggie Wayne, Bryant McKinney, um, De'Ara King, you know, I'm, uh, you know, Jalen Phillips, you know, all the best players on this team are all transfers that didn't come from South Florida. So the proof is in the pudding right there, and we're not even at, a, at an elite level yet. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, it's a combination of it all. And, you know, I, I, I think all these points for the last 20 minutes or so that, that started with Lemuel and, and continued with you and everything are all um, great points. But, you know, but to me, it, it starts and ends with recruiting, and you got to be able to evaluate so you don't take players that aren't as good as maybe what 
their ranking is or, or you know what p- other people might think they are um and that you're getting guys that really can develop into great players um and you know you got to you got to be able to go out and compete with the big boys for the best because there's other coaches that are doing evaluations too so um so Matt to switch gears here uh, your overall thoughts on what you saw against NC State and and where this team is going into Virginia Tech um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's pretty much, we sort of know now what it is, you know, I mean, the team is what it is. It's not, it's an imperfect team that finds ways to win. There's nothing wrong with that. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I mean, I don't think that's going to change between now and the end of the season. Um, you know, the NC state game, there were some concerning parts of it, the, the, the recurring penalty issues that they just can't seem to get fixed. I don't get it. Um, why they can't get these kids to just not commit these, you know, I think a lot of them are totally coachable, fixed, coach fixed penalties, however you want to phrase it. I don't know. Um, offense looks great. You know, De'Ara King is a huge difference maker for the program. I just hope he comes back next, next year also. I mean, he really is an exciting, dynamic player. And, I mean, it's so much fun to watch these games now. You know, you, really, you used to cringe watching the offense, right, for, for a, a number of years. Um, and, and just it's so much fun to see a, a Miami offense that's, you know, hitting on some deep balls and just can do things in so many different ways. And, uh, you know, every time they snap the ball, something, something great can happen. You know, it used to be like, Oh boy, what's going to happen now? Now you sort of, it's almost like the players are getting confidence and so are the fans, you know, on offense, right? It's not just Mike Harley gaining his confidence. It's fans getting their confidence that when Miami gets the ball, they're probably going to move the ball and they're probably going to score in some fashion. Right. Um, and, and the Virginia Tech defense is just not good. Um, I, I think the Liberty quarterback had 125 rushing yards and over 200 passing yards and like three or four touchdowns last week. I mean, Derek King, I think is going to light these guys up. Uh, I know Miami's a slight underdog in the game. Um, you know, it's a little weird for the number a top 10 team in the country to be <laughs> an underdog, uh, even on the road to a team that's unranked uh, that has three losses. But uh, with that said, you know, the experts are sort of seeing what we're seeing, which is that Miami can lose really any game um, just because they do make mistakes. They're not perfect. But at the same time, I don't think this is a game Miami's going to lose. I just think Virginia Tech has too many problems on defense, and Miami's just too good on offense right now. Well, I think they're probably anticipating Hooker's going light, to light up the defense. You know, they're, they're going to have a hard time matching up with him. That's, that's what I'm guessing that people are seeing, and that's why yeah. they're – yeah, you that's, know, a, that's a fair thing to say, but I think Miami is yeah. – I think if you compare Miami's defense versus Virginia's offense and then the vice versa, I still like the matchup better of the Miami defense versus Virginia offense, Virginia offense than, than the alternative. So that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, no no, no argument. So any uh, any closing thoughts? Um, no, I mean, I'm just excited to see what happens on Saturday. I, I, I do um, – you know, I do think that the, the linebackers are going to be a really important piece um, this Saturday because they're going to have to really keep an eye on, on Hooker and, and the run game, um, especially for Tech starting running back, because real bruising downhill guy is playing. I mean, it's going to be really on, on Zach McLeod and, and B.J. Jennings to totally up their games, and the defensive tackles, too, um, you know, really hold their point of attack. So it's going to be really interesting to see. And, and I think we'll, we'll know in the first couple of drives if this defense is ready because, um, I mean, Virginia Tech comes out and they're going to be mad off last week's loss and they're going to try to come out and just run the ball down Miami's throats and hit them in the mouth. And if they can't do it, then I, right off those first couple of drives, I'll have a real good feeling that, you know, Miami's going to win that game. But if they are able to, it's going to be a real, 
you know, one of these high-scoring nail-biter type games again. So I think we'll get a good sense of that pretty early on here. If they can make Virginia Tech one-dimensional passing, Miami wins the game. All right, Matt. Well, thanks for popping in, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Sounds great. All right. That's Matt Shodell, our Kane Sport Managing Editor. Um, always love to have him pop into the show and share his thoughts. 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. You hit the number one on your keypad if you'd like to come on the show. Uh, next, we're going to go out to the 973, where I know who's waiting, and he's always ready to bring it. We'll see what he's got to say, and that's Ross. Ross, welcome back to Kane Sport Live. How you doing this evening? Gary, Gary, Gary. What's up, Ross? What's going on, Gary? A couple of things, man. I always want to come on before that. I always want to, because I want you... I wanted to chime in on a couple of things I'm going to say, man. Well, you can chime in on what he said. You're better off following him. Ah, uh, now I got a couple of things. I love the fact that we went to always start off that way. Um, kudos to big-time wide receiver. I'm going to say he's big-time because he's a big-time for us in that game. And that's Mike Hardy. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. Here's, here's the, here's, I got some questions, Gary. Okay. Gary, I see um, defensive and offensive coordinators speaking to their guys on the sideline in groups. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I like the fact that they get these guys together. There's no social distancing or anything like that. I have a small, small little comment, and people might be annoyed when I ask you this question, but okay, it's fine. Derek King is our man. He is the man. He is the number one uno, 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 uno. But God forbid. He gets hurt, and he got to miss a few series or so. Yeah, it's over. I see our offense. Hold on. Yeah, but I don't want to look at it like that. I see our offense going to speaking to him every play, which I love. Love it, love it, love it. But none of the other quarterbacks are ever listening to what they're talking about. Why is that? Great point. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but you're right. I see the same thing that you see. I mean, Lashley is coaching the hell out of De'Ara King. Nobody's ever thrown. And there's no social distancing thing that's going on anywhere else. So I don't care if it's um, Van Dyke. I don't care if it's freaking Perry. Nobody else. It's not like in NFL where they listen through the headset to the certain calls and they, they can they take mental reps. And There's no one trailing those two guys when they're speaking. What if King got to come out for whatever reason? Uh, I can't answer that. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, but I agree with you. Like, I don't see Neil Cozy Perry and you know sitting there listening to what he's telling De'Ara King. Or Van Dyke, or Van Dyke. And I, can't, I got to excuse him when he's when he's he can't make it because he's probably a COVID situation. That's for Van Dyke. I don't. Of course, he can't listen then. But when he's actually active and he's dressed out, he's never around the offensive corner. Okay, I won't spend too much time on that. I only got limited time. I know. Gary, just wanted to say this, man. I was so upset. When I said I was so upset with Manny in the first half, it's not for what you think. First of all, we I didn't like the way we started on defense. We never we never no one ever likes that. But North Carolina State was getting away with a lot of pushy stuff. A lot of dirty stuff. A lot of dirty stuff, Gary. And Manny just Standing there like a goddamn statue, not getting on the refs. The 
the North Carolina state coach need to be fined anyway because he's never wearing his um, thing over his nose, okay? And he's getting on the refs, and he's doing this, and he's doing that, and Manny is just staring. And I hate a quiet coach, Gary. Manny has changed since he became the head coach and not to give any – when he was a defensive coordinator, he was like a maniac. He's tapered down. I don't, I don't like that, Manny. I don't – what I'm getting <laughs> he, at, he does look like he's trying to stay very calm on the sideline. But that's nonsense because you've got to work the refs. Because it was a play when he was going through his um, – if you notice he was tapping his um, receiver on the side, his headset, he was trying to tell the ref something. He was like sort of ignoring him, and he, would just, he just kept being ignored. And I want to make a point. The reason why I'm making up this point is this. They called Jalen Phillips off the field before the half to calm him down, and I was mm-hmm. pissed with that. Don't calm why? him down. He did nothing wrong. He was out of control, Ross. No, he was not out of Gary. He was out of control at that moment. Gary, he was going to he was going to get them a fifteen yard penalty. No question right about it. Half? No way. He was going for the ball. He was trying to knock the ball out. And that guy know, had been down for three, four seconds. He was going to get a. He was he was losing his mind a little bit. And Gary, here's the thing. He's mad for all the chippiness that was going on. And then when Roche, well, what's his name? Roche got that penalty. He should have never picked up that penalty because that offensive lineman was riding him. He was riding him. Was he not riding him? That's why he got the push, the, the, the penalty? Was he not riding him? Because if you was watching the game, they came back out of the timeout. I, th- I, thought he was a little, I thought he was a little late with the push. That was, you know, that was oh, my thought. Oh, Gary, I, you give these players. Gary, you are so hard on these players. I thought he was a little late. I thought he could have been a little more disciplined at that moment. After the guy is riding him like a horse? <laughs> I mean, obviously the ref thought he was late with the push. I mean, no, course, Gary, I've seen a lot of bad calls question. this year, Ross. I didn't think that was one of them. I, I, I thought he was late with the push. And I also thought oh that Phillips God. was getting – I thought Phillips was losing his mind a little bit, and I thought it was a good so move to get him you, out. So what do you give for the offensive lineman that's riding him, Gary? What do you say about that? He wasn't okay. – I didn't think All he was riding them after the play. But go ahead, keep going. All right. Okay. Somebody else will come on and tell you who's riding them. Okay. We could get, get we could get King hurt, man. We have too many throwaway plays. Okay. Our, our, our guards are not getting any push. So these throwaway plays that's getting nothing out of it, not even two yards, got to be, got to be removed out the offense, man. Totally. You're, you're saying he's running too, he's running too much. Flat into the guards. Just mm-hmm. throw away plays. Just throw away plays. This doesn't make any sense. You see so many just throw away plays. Okay. So what are we gonna when are we gonna in that in this game, Ferguson got away with almost three he got away three times with being offside. Okay? So when mm-hmm. was somebody gonna call him to the sideline and rip him one? We got very lucky with those plays where he could have been called for offside. Mm-hmm. And if you had the if you had the commentator say when he gets to the sideline somebody's going to say something to him and when he got there no one said anything to Gary that was terrible 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 hey also I, 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 again they was playing they was doing dirty stuff when um when Harley had the touchdown he had to he had to go up the stairs he was mm-hmm. pushed up the stairs by the DB he could have gotten hurt. I mean, the guy was trying to make a play there. It's a, it's a tight no, end zone there, Ross. You don't, to, you don't need to make a play after you know the kid catch the touchdown. Ross, that was a, that's, a tight, that's a tight end not zone a bang, there. Bang play. That's not a bang, bang play. Hell no. You don't do that. Okay? No, that was a, and, and, and I now, mean, okay. You, but 
you're yeah, nitpicking. You didn't go to the game, right? You watched the game, right? You watched, no, you're you nit, you're, you're Russ. You're nitpicking. You're nitpicking. Okay, that I'm that end zone at NC State is a that corner of the end zone at NC State is a very tight. It's a tight end zone. Of course, the I'm guy was trying to make a play. I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Of course, he's trying to knock the ball out of Harley. I didn't think it was a dirty play, but go ahead, keep going. Gary, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Did you go to the I game? Keep going. Keep going, Did you go Ross. To the game? Yeah. I'm actually Ross. no. I'm no, I was not. I was not in Raleigh now. Okay, so you watched the game. But I saw the same. I saw this. But I saw the same thing that I saw the same thing that you, Ross. I saw the same thing you saw. I'm not bringing up that point anymore. I didn't think it was dirty. I thought the guy was trying to make a play, and and Harley had so much momentum. He was running. He was running full speed, and he ended up having to go up those stairs. I think they need to look at that. That's that's a dangerous spot at their stadium. I'm done talking about that. I'm bringing up another play now. Okay. Did you see Mooth, what I go told ahead. you about last week? Did you see oh, what my I God, Ross. This goes on. You, you do this every week, so go to your next point. I'm trying to. I'm saying, did you see the, the center not snapping the ball properly to 10? Did you notice that on TV? I noticed that a few times, yeah. So now last week when you told me I was out of my mind, I didn't know what I was talking about. I still don't did think it's an, it's an enormous problem, Ross. They had 640 yards of offense. Okay. How did our linebackers grade out in this game? Any Pretty idea average. on your um? Pretty average. And, and you know who coaches the linebackers? Yeah, Blake Baker. Okay, and who? And that and that's and that's um Manny Guy, right? He got two guys on defense that he's saving because those are his buddies. And that's Baker and Pike. Pike can't recruit to save his life. Okay. He Talking can't about recruit to save his life. Packy, whatever his dad. All, right, l- all right, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question, Russ. What does he recruit? Well, no, uh, you know I know that he's, you know I know he's um you know I what's know his recruit, what's his recruiting what's his recruiting responsibilities every everybody because he comes up north he goes up north to recruit linebackers and defensive ends and uh, I know he does St Joseph Bergen Catholic all those schools I know those guys that he's recruiting so he's not just recruiting his position that he's coaching on the team he's recruiting up north too correct okay so now would, would you agree that that's a little bit tougher than being the guy that recruits Dade County. I'm not saying he's a great recruiter, Ross. Ross, I am not trying to make an argument that Jonathan Patsky is a great recruiter. Okay, I'm not trying to say that. But what I'm saying is, you know, guys like him, Blake Baker, who's going toe-to-toe with LSU in Louisiana, they're taking on a tougher challenge, and we don't have a head coach that's a great recruiter that is going to tilt the scales in recruiting. So it's not Gary, it's not easy. Gary, Gary, really, North Carolina, honestly, LSU, honestly, and all those other teams are not going up north to recruit those kids. They're not, Gary. I'm here to tell you they're not. So please don't bring those. If you're bringing up Virginia, Penn State, and those teams, then fine. But don't bring up those other teams that you just because they're not doing that. What teams did I bring on. up? I didn't mention one other team. Come on, Ross, you're being ridiculous. Go, keep going. I'm not being ridiculous. You're, you're being, being ridiculous. I didn't mention any I'm other team. I just said that ridiculous. they're they're recruiting out of state and they're trying to recruit good players out of state. And it's difficult when you're going six and seven and you don't have a, a lot of bullets in your holster. And, and no, I'm not trying to say they're elite recruiters. They're not elite recruiters. So they got to go. Time for them to go. Anyway, listen, you, you're making a point on um, these transfers, and you're saying they're not playing well. They're not getting stacked. Facts. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised because I, I think that you're better than this. 
The fact that they're not getting sacks because we're facing, we're facing quarterbacks that's getting the ball out of his hands. You know what they're doing well that you're not make, that you're not making a point on? They're stopping the run and they're playing and they're and they're doing really good on the edge. When they send the players to our linebackers, our linebackers are not making plays. You know who's making those plays? Our D backs. play. I think the young guys need to play more. A lot of the young guys. Let's play somebody else. So they are making plays. Our DNs are making plays, Gary. They're, they're stepping I didn't, I didn't said they're not making plays. No, you're saying you don't consider them the elite. You don't think they're going to do so well in the draft because they're not. I didn't say. I didn't, say, I didn't say what their draft status is going to be. I have no idea right now what their draft status is going to be. So tell me what you say. You said they're not. I didn't say no. I did not say that, Ross. I have not made any prediction on where Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips are going in the draft because right now, as we're sitting here, I have no idea. But you said they're not being over, like they're not being dominant as far as dominant players on the team. I don't feel they're dominating football games. No, I feel they're flashing. They're flashing on individual plays, but I don't feel that they're dominant players out there. Well, Gary, every time we watch the game and these announcers are announcing their game, they're telling you how well they're playing because they're not just about getting sacks. They're getting quarterback hurries. They're getting they're getting run. They're getting tackles on run. They're everywhere all over the field. So they don't have to get sacked to, for them to be for boosting their, 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 either their draft or their game right, staff Ross, or their quality. Ross, we, gave, we gave up 41 points in three quarters the other day. I don't, think, I, don't think anybody's domi- I don't think anybody's dominating anything right now. You can't. You can't no, is you that, is you that fair? No, because then you, you, do, you gotta, then after the game is over, you've got to go through the grading system. And then you gotta, so why do you put out a grading system then, Gary? Why do you put out a grading system if that's, if that's the only thing that you're going to pay attention? Why do you grade every player after the game? Because it isolates on the players, and yeah, and yes, I, I would I would agree that some players grade grade higher than others in, in individual games. Yes, but we're talking about changing a game. We're talking about changing a game, and I don't believe we have a player that does that. Eric King Would you agree that the Eric King changes the game? Yeah, but we're not talking about offense. We're talking about defense. No, I, that's my point. But you would agree that but the Eric King changes the game, right, Ross? Yes, he does. But you're calling okay. You don't have a guy on defense that changes the game. That's BS. All right. That's BS. Because they're dominating in other ways. They're dominating in other ways. Our defense is very good to make some of these tackles. Very good. If we had 11 of those guys, we'd be damn good. Gary, you said it about Dallas, and he's playing in on Seahawks. Gary, time for you to go do your homework. And you got to tell me, you didn't say this. You didn't let me. You didn't let anybody know tonight how you felt about the um about the election. You called it a, it's going to be a show. What did you think about that show? What the election? Election night. Yeah, because you say you didn't have a show, right? Because you wanted to go watch the show. What did you think about that show? I thought it was a total shit show, <laughs> but I, I think the whole thing's ridiculous. But I'm not here to not, talk politics. And I, as, as I'm not interested in who you voted for. I'm just saying it was a shit show for some people, not for me. Anyway, Gary, time for you to go do your homework. Go do your homework before you – and then when I call you back next week, I have my answers ready. Talk to you. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. Hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 770. You're live on keypad. Hey, yes, sir. I can, but you're a little fuzzy. Who's this? I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. Get, get your sound straightened out. Let's go to the uh, 865. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. What's up, man? It's James. Hey, what's up, James? How you doing this week? Oh, buddy. I'm doing great. Doing great. 
Uh, listen, uh, I kind of feel like I want to talk about the positives of the offense. I think everybody's pretty hammered the defense. And, you know, I, I just don't know if, if people actually listen to what you say, because I think back to what the sh- your beginning shows before the season, you even said that this defensive personnel, you weren't too sure about the defense. And look who they played at the beginning of the year, and now look who they're playing. It kind of speaks for itself, man. I mean, so you were right. You were right. I don't. I don't know why everybody else is so surprised about this. So I mean, <laughs> it's, there's definitely been a drop off. There, there's been a drop off, and and I was watching the linebackers on uh, last week, last Friday, and uh, I mean, McLeod is what he is. I mean, he was a three star, right, Gary? Am I wrong with that? He might have been a four. I'd have to go back and look. He might have been a four. Okay, I thought he was the third weakest of the of the Pickney. Um, he was group or what have you. He was. Okay. He was, All but right. at, the, at the beginning, at the beginning, James, I, I thought he had the most potential of the three. I really did, and I, I ended up too. being wrong. I, I ended too. up being wrong yeah. about that. He he did not develop the way that I thought he would. I thought he had an NFL body, which he does, and yeah. and he just has not developed for whatever reason. And I've talked about it with pro scouts and. You know, I've been very surprised that he has not developed better, and I was wrong about that. I said when when those three kids came in as freshmen, I specifically said that I thought McLeod was going to end up being the best of the three, and and I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember you saying that, and the thing is, is that I thought it too. I mean, you look at him; he looks like an Adonis out there compared to the other two, or what have you. Mm-hmm. But uh, but 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 something just didn't something didn't develop. You know, something just didn't happen there. And Jennings, I mean, he's been serviceable. But, I mean, the thing is, is I'm grateful for what they've done, Gary, and what they are. But at the end of the day, I watched them out of position just get blown off the ball by offensive linemen um, by NC State. And I don't know how good NC State's offensive linemen are compared to the rest of the ACC, you know. But what I'm seeing is I'm, I'm watching it live in the game. But then I see Brooks come in. And Brooks, like, was right where he needed to be. He stopped. He stopped. Uh, uh, I, I, think they, I think they got, like, six yards the play before. And then Brooks goes in there, and it's, like, only a gain of two. He was right where he needed to be. And I was watching it, and I was like, we need more guys like that. Where is the speed from sideline to sideline? I mean, I, and you, you were talking uh, with Matt about how Butch and, and, and Garcia used to stay up at late and, and, and look at talent and, 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 and pick guys. They met their needs well. And I just don't think that that's what's going on with the recruiting uh, right now. I mean, I'm hoping that changes, and, and maybe you know something more than I do, but the thing is is that Manny has not found the guys that definitely need to fit this system, per se, in terms of what he wants to do. Because they're just, it, it, they don't have the speed that, that uh, they did a couple of years ago to get to the quarterback, I feel. Yes, Rousseau not being there hurt. And I think, and I want to ask you something, Gary, real quick, because you said at the beginning of the year, um, you, I think you predicted what eight and two, nine and one at the beginning of the year. Is that what you predicted? Um, I I said the bar was nine, and nine, I still feel that I still okay. feel that way. I'm not convinced we're going to make Me it through too. all these games and not lose again. Me too. Me too. Yeah, now my yeah. question is: is you said that Rousseau Rousseau was good enough to maybe be a game changer for one of the games, you know, and so forth like that. If you if you did lose two. Mm-hmm. Now my yep. question is: what at this point we're we're right now, you know, now that game could still that game could be this Saturday, 
this that game could be this Saturday where you need a Russo to to get on 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 Hooker, uh, the quarterback mm-hmm. for BT, or or you know pressure the hell out of Howell at the end of the year for Carolina and so forth. Mm-hmm. So so those games maybe haven't happened yet, but I don't think that he may he maybe he makes a little bit more of a difference um, against Clemson, but. I feel that the defensive line is probably what you've got, even though we've already agreed that they're not that great in the uh, up front. But the back seven, I mean, they, they just, other than to Corey Couch and maybe Frierson, they just don't have it, Gary. I mean, Bolden um, can show up and so forth, but he got absolutely trucked by that offensive lineman. And I, I don't even think he really made a play the rest of the game. I mean, I, I don't remember him really standing out. Uh, Amari didn't get thrown out, which was progress. And Gervin Hall, I about wanted to strangle him because we have no punt returner. We have absolutely no punt returner. And I never thought that I would see that at the University of Miami, Gary, after all these years. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's pretty surprising. I think they've kind of settled on Restrepo for that role, but he's stuck on the coronavirus uh, yeah. Yeah, quor- yeah. quarantine <laughs> list, so he might be back this week. Yeah, we'll see. yeah. I, I mean, I just I – just, I don't want to see – I know that everybody's on the bandwagon. Rump's got to go. Baker's got to go. And I mean, well, here's the thing, though. We're 6-1 and one. now. I know that Butch Davis made a hell of a change back in 98 when he got rid of Bill Miller and brought in Shiano and so forth because he knew that the offense was good, but the defense with the players that they had were just not getting the job done. And he made a change. And that was a team that went nine and three or eight, I think, yeah, nine and three. And they won a bowl game at the end of that year. And, uh, and then they, they made the next, the, ne- the next jump, obviously. Um, but I, but does Manny have, you know, does Manny think that he could do that to the guys on the staff? Because he's pretty much kept that defensive staff intact. He's made major upgrades on the offensive side of the ball as well. He needed to, and it's shown. But my question to you, Gary, is does he make a move like that? Does he even feel he needs to make a move like that? Should they finish 10-1 and is my question to you. You know, I don't know. I mean, to me, those are his guys, and they're his hand-picked yeah. guys, and, and I just don't understand how, like, you can't, like, what are you going to do, like, go recycle the entire staff? Uh, you know, we already redid the offensive side of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you know, you had a cl- you had a clean slate when you became head coach, and you know, you made a decision to go with with your guys, which is you know, you can't argue with it. Everybody wants to go with their guys, but like now you're going to decide they're not good enough and start making wholesale changes on defense too. After you made wholesale changes on offense, I, I just don't know if I see him doing that. Like I don't, I don't exactly. know exactly. You know, I mean, exactly. I could, could I could see Blake Baker maybe leaving on his own. You know, if he get if he's frustrated, you know, and doesn't feel like he has the control he wants or something. And I'm not saying that's the case, but I could see that in in my mind, uh, maybe one day happening. But but like I don't see, you know, maybe Mike Rumpf goes to coach in the NFL. Who knows? But like. Do I see him making wholesale changes on defense like he did on offense? I no, I don't. I, I don't. I would be very surprised by that. Exactly, and that's what this fan base needs to get through their head. As long as they're winning, he's not going to make any changes. That the administration's not going to make a change with him. Everybody needs to get that out of their head. And, and, and honestly, and I, right now, 
I, I'll tell you one thing. I'm enjoying the hell out of this season a lot more than last year. Last year was an absolute atrocious disaster piece of shit. This year has been fun. I mean, we're winning. I mean, we lost to Clemson. Um, but, the, but, the, but, the, but the point of it is we've won what we've needed to. We beat the hell out of Florida State. I hope. To, I think we're going to beat the hell out of Virginia Tech coming up this Saturday. So that's two of your biggest rivals that you beat the crap out of. And that's, that's the big goal. And obviously, um, hopefully, if we don't get a chance, to go to the ACC championship, and if we do run the table, I hope that the Orange Bowl still considers us, and maybe we get to play and get a shot at the Gators or something like that. That'd be a, that'd be a nice thing. Now, before I get into uh, one, a few more points I want to do before we get other colors on, um, I just want to just sing the praises of the Eric King because that young man played like a man this past Friday. I mean, he's been, he's been good all season, but he would not let us lose. Gary, and I have not seen that in a quarterback since Berlin or even Dorsey. I mean, I know people hated on Berlin when he was here, but you look back at what we've had at quarterback since Berlin, I think about how, yes, he was the wrong quarterback for the system that they tried to input him in, but I'll tell you, the guy had guts and he fought and he tried with everything that he could. And and that's and, and we have not had that at quarterback. Brad Kaya had his moments. Morris had his moments. But the, at the at the end of the day, we have not had a quarterback consistently that gave that, that can, that, that's actually a game changer. He can do it with his legs. He can do it with his arms. He's smart. He was dropping dimes out there that I have not seen from a Miami quarterback in a long long time. And, and with the receivers that he's gotten without a spring practice to even get that timing down, I mean, some credit's got to be given where credit's due. And that was the home run by Manny to get that guy and Rhett Lashley and the two of them together. I feel that Derek is an extension of Rhett Lashley on that field. He's over there. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a breath of fresh air. Now, that what, what was brought up by the last call about how Van Dyne and uh, – and Nicosi aren't over there. I have no idea why, because heaven forbid anything. I mean, those guys would be a deer in the headlights. So I just hope that the bubble that's been around Deere continues to stay around him, especially these last few games. Um, the offensive line, I thought, played their best game of the year. I could be wrong, maybe Florida State, but look who they were, they were going up against uh, over there. But I felt that the offensive line gelled this time. The running game, I was a little missed by Don Chaney not playing more. Maybe you have a little bit of insight with that. And my other question to you is, are we going to see Brevin Jordan at all the rest of this year, or is he just basically done and <laughs> does, going to be going to he, the NFL draft? Does he play for Miami? So, I've never seen a guy miss more who, games in my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, I just – at this point, and I'm going to keep saying it till I'm blue in the face, and I'm sorry if I annoy another caller when I say this, Mallory has to get 15 looks a game, 15 looks a game, because he's out there, he's playing, and there's nobody that he's shown to be, to, to be able to cover him. And if Harley keeps up this production, that's two key guys right there that can help you uh, stretch the field and not have eight in the box. Well, on your comment on the running game, I, there's just not enough carries to go around. Like they, they, they had, they probably ran King a little too much the other day, I would mm-hmm. say. But, but, but you know, Cam Harris got 15 carries, um, Knighton got five, and Cheney got three. Uh, just, just not enough. You know, it's hard to run three running backs. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, and and I just hope that that doesn't scare uh, Franklin away because I, I really would like him to be there as a guy that is a bigger back. You know, we don't have that in the system. And you might need that um, when you're playing up against a big defensive line and a, and a, and a team that, that uh, you might need those short yards and so forth in a grinded-out type game. And uh, no no disrespect to these guys because I know Cheney's getting big as well. But, uh, but the thing is, is that uh, – I just feel that we, we need to have a little bit of change of pace backs on there and not the same kind of back, uh, if that makes sense, Gary. That's, that's just my opinion. I, I like a different type. Of, somebody brings something different to the table, and you run that table. Well, Ch- Cheney and Knighton, though, are pretty similar type runners, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess body type more I'm, I'm talking about yeah. more than anything. So body type, yeah. But uh, um, I guess one last point, Gary. Um, on, uh, this, um, this, this quarterback thing, I mean, do we have anything? Um, uh, maybe do we change Marshall's mind? I mean, Florida's still having a really good season, so he, he might stick with that commitment there. But is there anything that in the recruiting-wise that maybe has changed because of Burns' decommitment? Or are we really looking at the transfer portal maybe? Uh, because I just am worried about those numbers with the depth well, and everything come next year. Yeah, I mean, I personally think it'll it could end up being the transfer portal, but like they they drop Burns, they they clearly want they better than okay. that. Yeah, yeah, they okay. want better than that for that spot. Um, they and they, and I think it was a great move. I think they need to get better for that spot. Um, they're still recruiting Marquevious Brown uh, over at IMG. I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, you know, he he'll tell coaches, "I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit," and then he never does. Um, Virginia Tech, Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss is in it. So we're not really sure what's going to happen there. Um, there's a kid out of Texas that they've identified by the name of Marvin Covington, but we don't really know what to make of that. I mean, Miami was his first offer. Um, he got offers afterwards from Houston and TCU. Uh, might wait till February to sign. So our, we're not really like feeling that one so much. We'll see. Um, but maybe they got something new in mind that we're not onto yet. You know, we're, we're fishing around a little bit, uh, but they definitely did not want Burns. And that, that was not a true decommitment. That was, that was him letting, letting him gracefully decommit. They, you know, and, and a gotcha. great move. They need a better player than that. So I think I thought that was, that was a good move. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and I think just to bring it full circle, that's my whole point, that the back seven needs to get better, at, you know, just, just across the board, just across the yep. board. And, and I think they're realizing that. that. You that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, Al Blades was steady at the beginning of the year, but these last two games, I mean, he, he's just been absolutely torched, you know. And, uh, great and, great, and the great only, kid the and great attitude, average football player. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and the thing is, is you know, if, if they had gotten the other guys that he was being recruited with, you know, like say a Campbell or a Sertain, is he even on the field as a cornerback? Is he a safety? I mean, am I no. being, I mean, I he didn't start for, he didn't start that? for his high school team. He didn't he start didn't. for his high school team. No, <laughs> he, he didn't start for STA. No, he played yeah. behind Sertain oh. in high school. All right, James, let me That's let you go. Cause I got other guys that want to get on. Thanks for being part of the show and give us a call next week. You bet, bud. Bye. All right. Um, this edition of Kane Sport Live is brought to you in part by JFQ Lending with interest rates below 3%. There has never been a better time to lock in a low fixed interest rate on your mortgage. And uh, you'll never need to think about refinancing again if you call the guys at JFQ Lending. Um, you said it, you forget it. Um, at JFQ Lending, you're guaranteed to get the highest level 
of customer service from our main man, Kyler Kuppelman. You'll, you've seen him on the message boards at canesport.com. He's always ready and willing to help. Uh, JFQ Lending has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and over 3,000 five-star reviews. So you want to save some money on your mortgage? Give Kyler Koppelman a call today. His number is 323-607-8802. That's 323-607-8802. Or you can email Kyler directly at kkoppelman at jfqlending.com. That's K-K-O-P-P-E-L-M-A-N at jfqlending.com. And all that information is on the message boards if you didn't catch it here. And JFQ Lending is an equal access lender licensed in over 40 states. So no matter where you live, uh, they are ready and willing to help any Canes fan out there that wants to take a look at their mortgage and see if they could save a little bit of money each month. All right, 563-999-3550. 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad. If you want to come on the show, we're going to take another shot at the 770. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary. Yes, sir. Who's this? If you ever, if you ever, this is Steve in Atlanta. If you ever do that again, I'm going to come down there and deal with you. I don't play them games. Now I'm just joking. What but the hell are you talking about? Go ahead. On, what's up, what, what's when up you Steve? Me, when you put me on hold. <laughs> no, your, your sound was messed up, Steve. I had to give you a chance yeah, to get it straightened okay. out. No, I had you on speakerphone. I'm working. Uh, you know I drive trucks. But anyway, yep. let's let's get let's 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 go to your your theory. Let's your theory is that all the players are what you were saying about the players that they're, they're below average and they're. I didn't say below. I said average. <laughs> Come on, man. But they, they, well, Don't they, put words in my mouth. You said the evaluation is going wrong on the players, right? I, I what I said is we need we I here Steve let me let me let me clarify what I said before you comment. I what I said was our evaluation of players needs to be significantly better than what it's been for a very long time. And we have a lot of very good players on the team and always will. You know, you got a huge advantage here when you're recruiting from a South Florida base. There's a lot of good players in South Florida. So Miami will always have a a good roster. What Miami has been missing through this 17, 18 year run of mediocrity has been enough elite players. Uh-huh. That's my opinion. Okay. All right. Talk into your speaker though, Steve. We can't hear you. Can, can, you can't hear me? Can you hear me? We, we can, but you got to talk into your speaker. I, I got on a headset. You know, I dropped Much better. Go. Yes, we can. Go. All right. Okay. So my theory is you say for the last few years we've been undervaluated. I would counter that with for the last 20 years we undervaluated our athletic director. We have under-evaluated every coach that we have put in place. Manny Diaz should have never been hired. I don't know how do you expect players to get better or to get better players when you have Coaches who have been under-evaluated and are below average. So how do you expect to have above-average play on the field? The offense, you have three offensive coordinators on that offensive roster. Of course, they are doing better. The offensive line, they can pass block. I'm still pissed off with the run blocking. 
because we have four good backs. If they had the blocking, they can get more yards. They can get more carries. Back to the evaluations of the, 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 the coaches. So Diaz shouldn't have never got the job. And what he do? He goes and pulls a Al Golden. He hires all his buddies on the defensive side of the ball except one, which is Mike Rump, and I'm very disappointed in Mike Rump. But I'm very disappointed in Bander. Who is that? Who is Bander? I'm gonna let you answer that question. What was his? Um, what? What? How did he get to Miami? And and what? What? What did he come? Where did he come from? What coaching tree he was plucked off of by Manny? It's a Manny tree. He was. He was Manny. He was right, a. I so think a G. He was a G. He was a GA. I think under Manny at Mississippi State. So he 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 he's a zero. He's a zero. So that's that's a terrible hire for the. That's a bad decision well, by Manny. He, I mean, team. he's a that's guy that was familiar. Wait, Steve. He was. He's a guy that was very familiar with Manny's defense. And he's he, and he's a decent. He's a decent recruiter. Probably the best recruiter on the staff. That, we don't need and, recruiters. We need coaches. Well, you Gary, need both. That's, that's you need both. Let's with, be, that's the, okay, let's go back to when you started, Gary. You, you there? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. You don't cut me off because I'm just gonna get good tonight. Let's go back to Liberty and Virginia Tech. You said Liberty stunned Virginia Tech. No, they didn't. Virginia Tech knew Liberty was undefeated. Hugh Freeze was a good coach before he got to Liberty. He was um, run out of um, Ole Miss for some issues that took place, you know, little disciplinary problems. They had to let him go. So he took a step back. But being the good coach that he is, he went to Liberty with all people with zero stars to two stars, and he done beat Syracuse, and he done beat Virginia Tech at home. So don't tell me our coaches are, 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 are it's our talent, it's our coaches. Look at the offense. Got those receivers. Three, year, three weeks ago, we was ripping those receivers. Lastly, in the, the, the coach get together, they get on the boards, whatever they did in practice, you see a whole different thing going on. Manny has been coaching this defense. He had his boys for five years in place, and they're never, they're always, it's always the same old thing. One week they might look all right, but they're very inconsistent. They're, some of them are good, some of them ain't. That's what happens when you have a team where, they, where they're not getting developed by the coaches. You just have kids with talent who can show up and play, and then you have teams who need to be, you have, you have players who need to be coached and need to be developed. And if they ain't getting it, it, it ain't going to happen, buddy. And they're not getting it on that defensive side of the ball from none of the positions. Look at how and, – and, and look at the, um, the strength coach that you like. He's not getting it. Where, where did he come from? What's his claim to fame? How did, he, how was, did he, he was at Temple, Temple before he came here. He came from Temple. So Manny met him at Temple and brought him to Miami. Really, that's what type of strength coach we need, a guy coming from Temple to try to get us back to winning titles. This ain't about being happy about a six and one record. This ain't this oh, you know, this 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 not a happy time. It's good to be six and one, but remember, Mark Rick got to be ten and one. And then we saw what happened with that. Because all of those games that he won before he got to ten and one we had a shot at losing every last one of them just about. We were never a great team. We were just, you know, we were getting lucky. 
you know, balls was bouncing our way, and then, you know, when we didn't, when it didn't bounce our way, we ended up losing the last three games, and that's what's gonna happen this year. You know, we 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 got a good offensive coordinator. He he can hold it down for uh, if we put up thirty points, forty points, we should win that game, right? Yeah. You know, so I think Manny needs, like you say, Manny ain't going to fire them guys. You talking about he's sitting because those his guys, that's the same thing Al Golden did. And you want Al Golden to get rid of D'Nafio, right? So Manny should put the team first and not his boys because you got fans who want to win. And we don't give a crap. We don't give a rat about his boys and him firing. You go through all of them till you get the right guys in there to win some championships. And if he don't do it, he needs to go along with them. And that's the bottom line. I'll get this shit together this week. And I'm out. Have a good night, Gary. Thanks for letting All me vent. All right, Steve. Give us a call next week. Let's go to the 786. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, my friend, how are you? Hey, what's up, everything? How you doing, man? Uh, another, another, uh, another crazy day with this weather down here. It's been... Not as not as crazy as this show tonight. <laughs> this, this show tonight's been lit. <laughs> you got a lot of angry people, man. You got a lot of people that are upset, huh? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. What do you I, got? Go ahead, I, roll. I, I, imagine, imagine if we were, imagine if we were three and three or two and uh, two and four, which could easily be the case if we would we, we didn't have De'Aaron King. Uh, Oh no question. Anyway, no Gary, I, and I think people, and you know what? Here. I think people see that, and I think that that's part of what you're hearing. I mean, you know, week after week, like I think people recognize, like what, you know, that the Eric King is, you know, right now the difference between six and one and maybe you know four and three, and you know, I think that's a little concerning to people. But like, look, I mean, my feeling is it is what it is. Uh, you know, enjoy the six and one. You know. It's not about what you don't have. It's what you do have. Because what you do have is a chance, you know, you're still in this to have a decent season. And it's it exceeded my expectations for this year. I told you I thought the most that they win would, would be seven. Um, and I spoke with you at length way back in, in the summer, one of the first shows you had about the impact of losing Greg Rousseau uh, and how these the kids that we do have are – as you mentioned earlier tonight to a couple of callers, are our difference makers. And I know Ross is very upset with that. Uh, some of the other callers are upset with that too. You don't have a guy that you have to say, I got a scheme. I got a scheme to stop that guy. If you're an offensive coordinator, there's nobody on the defensive side of the ball that, that you have to do that for. So really, really what you have to do is understand what you do have. Uh, we've had so many miscommunications in the secondary uh, and we've been we've been so passive to start games the last couple of weeks, and you ask yourself why? Well, it's right there in front of us. It's a personnel issue. You don't have great talent and length and speed in the second and third level of our defense. We just don't. If we had those things, our front four's production would be better, believe it or not, because they can cover better back there. But when you're having to now almost go sixty forty zone to man you're seeing the true identity of this defense 
and, and I don't know why every week when I had the fortune to come on the show or listen to the show, people are saying, "What's well, you know, Blake Baker doesn't know what he's doing. Listen, this is Manny Diaz's defense. Manny Diaz is every day with that staff. They create the game plan together. Everything's run through him. Pretty much what Blake is is a caretaker, and so is like who's the, who's the co-defense coordinator, Patsky or, or Banda. I mean, it's pretty simple. Manny's running this defense. He didn't magically just go ahead and say, I'm taking over the fourth quarter. No, he didn't do that. If you watch what they did the fourth quarter, they changed the type of blitz package they utilized. They were able to get to the quarterback one time and hit him. After that, the quarterback wasn't as effective. He, look at that interception he threw. Yeah, that was what's called the reaction to to to, to pass to right pressure, getting hit in the mouth. Yep, yep he was pressure, pressure, and you want to get rid of the yep. ball. Do you yep. guys realize that the guy in the flat, the guy in the flat uh, on the opposite boundary, was wide open? He never saw him because he mm-hmm. panicked and threw a bad ball, which created the interception. But what yep. caused that was the pressure. pressure. So what boggles all of us as traditional Kane fans that we are, Gary, and listen, everyone that's called in tonight understands football. Maybe we have certain different levels of expertise and schemes and all those things, but we all know football. And what we can see is we're not starting games aggressively. And, and, and Gary, you know why we're not? We, we don't have the personnel. Don't have the personnel and and getting beat early in the game, which you you know, which is not going to inspire coaches to take more chances. And you might say, well, I don't want to die a slow death. Well, I don't want to get murdered in a second either. So that's why they're having to pick. It's very difficult to pick your spots when to be ultra aggressive and take that risk. And that's what he's having to do. Your explanation of what we have is totally on. I said this earlier in the show. And it is what it is. You're not, you know, we're an average defense at best. Be all honest here. I said this a couple of weeks ago. We're a top 15 team maybe, but really we're, we're a top 25 team, and that could be up, up for debate based on what we have. So when you get to the root of the problem, we keep talking about recruiting. You know, Gary, it's not that we haven't recruited elite athletes, elite talent. They're just not coming. They're not coming here. And when you see, as a kid, I'm a junior, and I'm watching you. You played at St. Thomas Aquinas with me, and you were a four-star. You went to UM, and you're horrible, okay? Or you're not – you know, you're maybe an average college football player at best. And so does somebody else and somebody else. Why am I going to go there when they don't develop and it doesn't work out? So, you know, anyone that's recruiting against us has an easy argument. And, and that's why I keep mentioning to you, as much as I love Mike Rump, and my goodness, I was destroyed on the boards. Something that impacted me so much that I stopped even participating on the boards and whatever, we can get into other issues. But the whole point was, is not a recruiter. He's not a contemporary collegiate football coach at a blue blood program where you have to have nothing but, hey, you're great. Hey, you're wonderful. You know, he can't do those things. He's never done those things. And if you think about the kid from Alabama, who Alabama dropped him, I mean, some of the things he's mentioned on social media, from what I've seen, it's 
it just totally feels that Mike Rump's a total asshole. And it's, it's sad to hear that. But that's the truth. That's who he is. He's not going to change. And, Gary, we've mentioned this. He's had job offers before in the league, but that's not what's best for him and his family. That's why he's chosen this route. So, at the end of the day, I think after this season, if things don't go well recruiting-wise, and we still have defensive backs trying to dislodge a ball out of a wide receiver's hand in coverage, which that's getting old, if that's the case, then it's time to make a change. And I've told you who my preference has always been. And T-Rob was interested many years. Two years ago, T-Rob was very interested. And there was no way, as you mentioned to me, there's no way that he's going to do it. And I said, look, this is a perfect time to make the change because he's made all these other changes but didn't want to do it. So there's going to have to be a change there eventually. And the last thing I want to touch upon, and Stephen mentioned this, you know, about the coaches. University of Miami is still a nickel and dime program. It's a nickel and dime operation. Have we made strides? Yeah. I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with that at all. You, you got you got three guys on the defensive side of the ball on coordinator contracts. They got five coordinators on payroll right now. If you add Dan Enos, you know I, I understand that's that. Not, that's okay. not nickel and dime everything. <laughs> now maybe they're not spending okay. the money wisely, but you know that's not nickel and dime. Blake Baker is is definitely not a top twenty-five defense coordinator terms of making money in the country. He's not. No. Mike Rump is not. Okay. But you got him, Banda, and Patsky all making coordinator salaries on defense. Well, he's given, and and they're still not top 25 either. And they don't, none of them deserve it. You've got to be able to have someone that says, I want him, him, and him. Hey, Corey Raymond, I'm going to offer you 1.75 plus a home in the Gables, which you can have two years after your contract is done here which we've done everywhere, which is kind of the deal that Randy had. We had that house for three years, until three years ago, Corey Gables that he still had. So, listen, things can be done, but you've got to do it with the right people, and I, we've always failed to do so. And why have we failed to do so? Because we've never had the guy, the right guy in the position. Now, hopefully I'm wrong, and hopefully it all comes together, and, hey, I'm rooting for my kids. I'm rooting for Manny. I'm rooting for him because that's who I am. I'm a fan at heart. That's not going to change. But the reality is we've made some progress, but we're still not there, Gary. And the only yep, way to get I agree. there is to keep winning. you got to keep winning. you got to develop these kids. And these kids, they have to be responsible. They have to hold each other accountable. These and you got to hit on more recruits. you got to hit on more recruits. you got to hit on your evaluations. Think about what's coming in this year. James Williams. Yep. Leonard Taylor. Yeah. Melo Brinson. Yeah. Those are three alphas. Gary, have, did you watch any of those games on on the internet? I watched. I watched. Yeah, I, I saw how well Romello Brinson played. Absolutely. And Tim Burns got a, you know, got a deflection interception. But Tim Burns is basically Al Blades, his Al Blades junior year. That's what he looks like to me. But he's but he's Not but he's half at, at half the size. Half the size, and he and he and he's got bad hips. Yep. I mean, Al Blades was at St. Thomas Aquinas, Gary, not 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 Heritage. His I know that. Year, and I can't even I can't even tell you the name of the kid that played ahead of him at Heritage. 
Uh, one was Sertain, I think. The, I'm, I'm trying to remember who the other one was. Sertain no, um, was at Heritage. Oh, I'm trying to think who. Um, no, no, I'm. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, the, that's the point. But that's the point, Gary. Um, identified a kid that beat him out. There were two of them. The, yeah, and they're obscure kids because they're nowhere on national landscape. Say, oh yeah, so and so playing for Alabama or he's playing for A and M or, or Clemson. No, those kids didn't go to those type of programs. So that's when we knew we were in trouble. But at this stage. All we need to do is accept the fact we're not going to create turnovers on defense, very little. We're not going to be able to have too many big plays defensively, period. And our front four, by quarter, fourth quarter comes around, those kids are exhausted. Roche's exhausted. Phillips is exhausted. When the kids that come in behind them, like a Cam Williams, the touchdown that Clemson scored against us where the offensive linemen kind of fall down, and then it's a throwback to the weak side, and they come back around the gate, and they go in, and they score. Every time that that play has been run against us, we've given up a touchdown. Who's playing right defensive end? Cam Williams. Okay, kids that are learning. You don't have the depth that you need. You don't have the experience. But what you do have is a chance. And that's why we are not playing aggressive, Gary. And we're not going to play aggressive defensively until we have to pick the right spot. And we've had a good lucky. We've got to execute, too. Um, by the way, on Al Blades, I, I said certain. I, I misspoke. It, one, one of them was Asante Samuel. And I'm trying to figure out who, who the other one was. I, I'm, I, can't, I can't remember the kid's name. But Asante, um, Asante had the other side. Asante didn't take his, his, his job. Somebody else took Blades' job. And I can't remember the kid's name. But he didn't go. You know, he was a year – I think he was a year – younger than Blades, and he had transferred in, and he went to either Michigan or he went somewhere. He, he just did nothing. I mean, he hasn't done anything. Um, and that's, that's what I'm remembering. Hopefully I'm wrong on that too. But going into Saturday, if you tell me, okay, Lloyd, how are you going to go ahead and stop their defense? I'm going to run the ball on Virginia Tech as much as possible with two tight ends. Because from what I've seen in the last couple of days, I've been watching as much film as I can on them. The opposite, we need to go fast. We need to go slower against them. Their, their ends are long guys, but they're not very big. Their defensive tackles aren't very big. Their linebackers are kind of slow. So I think it's okay to match up with some wheel routes, get the running backs involved, get Cam going early. I think we need to go ahead and attack their defense that way by slowing it down just a little bit even more, which, as you mentioned earlier, Gary, aids your defense because you don't have what you're used to having on defense. So that, that definitely works to your benefit. And second of all, I really feel that we need to get, if Brev is going to play, as many plays as possible where he's not the primary guy, but he's the secondary guy. Because what we're seeing is the way defenses are playing us, I think that's the best route to go. Um, we're going to face better corners than we faced the last two games. Uh, you mentioned how poor how poor NC State was in the back end. Well, let me tell you, Virginia's not very good in the back end either. And no, they were worse. Young yeah, so we really we want to find out how good Mike Carley has really gotten. We'll find out Saturday because Vontech secondary, they're young, but they're pretty damn good. And they're long mm-hmm. and they're physical. Uh, and they, they do the same thing we're kind of doing on defense. They kind of give you everything up front and give you the flats are open and – to give you the short stuff, which hopefully, again, 
works to our benefit if we're smart with our game plan. Defensively, Gary, the quarterback for Vodset is huge. He's strong. He's got. He's good. He's, very, he's very. He's very good. I've been very impressed with him. Uh, I mean, I think what two games ago he went ten for ten. So yeah. But where he really kills you is with his his running ability is is off the charts. He's he's got he, he brings a lot to the table. And how do you counter that, Gary? What would you do? What would I you don't know. Yeah, I think it's a really bad matchup for our defense, but we, you know we'll see what happens. You know. I'm almost I'm almost hoping. That that flag gets most direct at middle linebacker because I can say the last three games what we've seen out of that out of that position has been horrific. Yeah, but what you don't know is if that kid is ready to, for that. Like you know, to go on the road at Virginia Tech and now suddenly be a starter. I don't know, man. Well, you know, he's a true fresh. I wouldn't start him. Yeah, he's a true freshman. You know, though, I, I, if he if he can actually play this week, which hopefully he will be able to, I could see them putting him out there and seeing how he does, like they were doing in some of those games earlier this year. But it's asking a lot for a kid like that to go on the road and, and play. So we'll see. All right, man, I got to let you go. There's a bunch of guys here that want to get on here in the last hour. So uh, th- thanks, as always, for being part of the show. All right, before we run out of time, let me attack a few of these questions that were submitted on the message boards at canesport.com because there were some really good ones. This team continues to struggle with preparation, both mental and physical, with national spotlight games. In my opinion, that struggle is a poor reflection on Manny Diaz and further highlights the biggest issue right now with this team. Uh, Manny comes across as being soft on players. Um, They look underprepared, both mentally and physically. Boy, some pretty harsh opinions there. Uh, what's, What's my opinion on this issue? And above all, can this issue be remedied in part? Well, I mean, I personally have never tried to claim that Manny Diaz was one of the top coaches in the country or anything like that. But why does it always have to be the coach's fault when another team has successful plays? I mean, that NC State team the other day had a few pretty decent players, and we have a tendency here to overvalue our own. Um, For example, are any of our three running backs, as good as we feel they are, and they are extremely good, are they right now better than that number seven kid, um, I think his last name was Knight, on, on NC State, um, who didn't even get used. Like, I think he had 12 carries or whatever, and they kept them pretty much under control. But I would argue that their coaches err by not having him more involved than he is. Um, what I saw was guys getting beat for the first three quarters. Now, in support of the question, I will tell you something else I felt I saw. I felt I saw Nesta Silvera, for example, playing considerably harder in the fourth quarter than appeared he was playing earlier in the game. Now, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. It looked to me like he was playing a lot harder in the fourth quarter with the game on the line. And it seems the entire defense picked up its game in the fourth quarter. And when you look at eight plays for six yards after giving up more than 400 yards in the first three quarters, that would seem to suggest something changed. And maybe also NC State didn't play as well as they played earlier in the game. Now, the the soft on players argument, I think, can probably be backed up a bit with facts if you look at the last two seasons and some of the things that have gone on. But for the most part, you know, I think this is an above average team that is not going to look good all of the time. And that's really no different than a lot of the, the greater majority of teams around college football, including teams this year, like Georgia, which people thought might be a national title contender that is clearly not. And, um, you know, a, a lot of teams, 
fit that category. And I think that's where we are right now. And I think that we have a tendency to bring ourselves back to the pack in the ACC and have a lot of these life and death games where anybody can win them. And we have great seasons right now. When we win the better share, we get the breaks. We did in 2017. We are so far in 2020. We'll see where it leads us here down the stretch. And hopefully the stretch will be better than it was in 2017. Next, does winning and recruiting cure all with the current staff? We saw what Manny did with more talent. We see what Lashley can do with a below average offensive line and one really good quarterback that's not even a top NFL talent. Well, I mean, I think winning and, and recruiting is a great first step. I mean, look, there's no guarantees that Tyler Van Dyke will perform even close to the level that we're seeing the Eric King play at right now, which in all honesty is saving the entire program. I don't think anybody would argue that we're not six and one without the Eric King, but winning can lead to better recruiting, which Matt Shodell was talking about earlier tonight, and that can lead to more consistent winning. And at that point, you got to be able to start recruiting elite dudes from around the state and the country. And that will determine whether the program can become a year to year contender in the ACC and start to become more relevant on the national stage. All right, let's get back um, back to your calls, and let's go out now to the 727. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, it's Jake from what's up? What's up, Jake? How are you doing this week? Doing good, doing good. A couple of things I wanted to uh, talk to you. You know, when you were talking about recruiting uh, earlier, I, I actually completely disagree with the – you know, I know how, how you know, uh, Rivals is set up. you got your top 250, and that generally sets up as, uh, you know, uh, your four-star caliber. And then you got your top uh, 30 that generally wind up as five-star. To me, that actually reflects the NFL. Um, when, you're, when you're recruiting a four-star, you're hoping that kid's going to be an NFL caliber talent. And a five-star, you're hoping that kid's going to be a, uh, you know, a first-round caliber talent. So I, I don't know that I, I agree with that, that, you know, the, the star system is necessarily out of whack. You look, it, the NFL drafts roughly 270 players every year. That's how many four-star kids you have. So, you know, it's a projection. It's not perfect. Yep. But with that being you're making said, a good point. I think it's kind of commensurate to you know to what uh you know what it is but the the only difference i would say jake jake the one difference i would say is like the nfl draft you're right it's 250 deep or whatever but if a guy's drafted in the seventh round he doesn't come to camp with a lot of expectations nobody's expecting him to really make the team some of them do some of them don't in college if a kid is a four-star player we're expecting him to come in here and be an impact guy a starter um, you know, a, right an, extre- an extremely I good player. I think that's Miami's problem. That's Miami's problem is that we think all these freshmen are going to come in and save us. And it's like, give them some time. Even, you know, uh, who knows if Pope will turn it around or, you know, get, I mean, he's been playing pretty good the last couple of games. But, you yeah. know, uh, to think uh, receiver is one of those positions, yeah, maybe freshman, sophomore year, you could really uh, turn up the juice. Running back, you know, we've seen Chaney and Knight and play some quality games. But if we think, you know, like we think, I hear people like, oh, where's Jalen Rivers? What You think a freshman's going to turn our own line around? Get real. That's crazy. Most teams, so uh, uh, look at some of the best teams in the country right now. Uh, Florida, Alabama, 
Florida has uh, – you're talking uh, – they've got four seniors starting on their line. They've got three uh, – uh, or, or their one other guy who's an underclassman is a junior. Uh, he's not an underclassman. He's a junior. That's how you get a winning offensive line, not, you know, not what uh, we've been putting on the field. Last year we had four underclassmen playing. That's not a winning offensive line. So, you know, it's just it's it's our caliber of expectation really. Mm-hmm. You know, uh to me. Anyway, that that was just kind of a, a minor point that I, I wanted to uh bring up. Um, one of the things I, I was thinking, you know, everybody's been ragging on Baker and I actually I, I didn't I, I'm kind of in your camp that he's an extension of Manny Diaz, but to me I, I just no doubt. I don't see the production and here's here's a thought I had the other day. I don't know if this has been discussed at all before, but, uh, you know, you had talked a couple of weeks ago how, you know, we got to do something with Ed Reed eventually. He ain't just going to stay around in that position. What if they actually bumped Banda? You you, you just kind of let Blake Baker walk off into the sunset. You bump Banda to D coordinator. Because, I mean, again, this is all just an extension of Manny Diaz's offense or uh, uh, defense, I should say. Banda probably knows everything, if not more, about running it than Baker does. Banda's actually, uh, you know, uh, coaching-wise, he's solid. Recruiting-wise, he's solid. And, I mean, to me, if it's an extension of Manny Diaz, uh, what, uh, so I guess the next part of they that They all have the same role, Jake. Jake, bump, they're all, they're, they're all in it together. No, no, but here's here's my thought. You – you switch Pat Key to linebacker coach because actually I think Pat Key's been decent. A lot of people trash on him, but you know special teams other than the punt return situation is pretty good. But uh, so anyway, it, it, you move Ed Reed to safeties coach because I think that's a game changer in recruiting because he has limited contact with these kids. You put him loose, get him in homes, stuff like that. That's going to be tough on the trail to beat. Mm-hmm. You look at the impact that guy's having with recruits, I think it's big. And if you could actually fully unleash that without the restrictions, I think you're talking a different ball game there in the in the secondary. I could see that happening potentially if if Ed Reed wants to do it. And then finding the and then and then Banda finding a different role. I could see it. Well, I thought he could coach strikers too. I mean, because that's kind of a glorified yeah. safety role. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways they could go. If they, if they wanted, if, if they wanted to bring Ed Reed on the coaching staff full time, there's there's some, you know, somebody obviously would have to leave, but they they could find ways to make it work. What yeah. else you got, Jake? Um, what's that? What else you got tonight? Yeah, I was so with um, you know, with with uh, Clemson losing this weekend. I, to me, you know, looking at, looking at what they've got, uh, you know, losing Trevor Lawrence is big, but I think one of the big things, people, uh, uh, that middle linebacker, that Skalski kid, losing him is going to be bad for their defense. That kid really – and he he ate us alive. I don't know if that, that gives us an opening with him leaving this year, but to me, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, we – so I, I, I guess to to the next point with that, to me what what I think uh, with King going pro, tell me if there's any validity to this thinking. But you know he he's he's on a hot streak. There's no doubt about it. He's got a hot hand, but he doesn't really have a marquee win. 
And if you look at guys in, in his caliber, and, and I'm, I'm more talking about the small mobile quarterbacks, you know, you got Kyler Murray, you got, uh, uh, you know, Russell Wilson may not fall into that category, but he's a pretty late round pick. But uh, Jalen Hurts, some of the, the smaller, more mobile quarterbacks, um, even Tua uh, could maybe even fall into that category. He's only about six feet tall, but the, um, you know, those guys all had big marquee wins. To me, like, I, I, don't, I don't know if he's draftable until he puts up a big game against big competition. And that, that's kind of why, like, I don't know. I, I, I hate to – I mean, I want him back in the worst way because I think, I think one more year with that kid could really, really change this program around in just the trajectory. You know, you talk about maybe having two back-to-back 10-win seasons – uh, that that changes the ball game for recruiting, for you know other things uh, with, with the program, just uh, the overall attitude I think, and just the leadership there. But to me, I, I think what what he's missing and what might be you know the thing that brings him back is when NFL teams look at him. Yeah, he's beating the crap out of lesser competition, but you know he was pretty pedestrian when it came to uh, Clemson. You know, if a guy of his stature is going to get drafted and he wants to play QB, to me, I think that that's the thing. Is he, you know, maybe it had happened in a bowl game, or if we did get to the ACC championship game, but without that marquee win, he he's going nowhere in the NFL draft. And to me, that that's a selling point that you can tell him, hey, we should return most of our team next year. You got Alabama number one first game. And that's your that's your spot there. That's where you make your statement. You you put up 400 yards on Alabama. You're gonna have a lot of NFL scouts looking at you. You know you didn't do so hot against Clemson. Redeem it. I don't know what you're thinking is on that. Nothing really. I mean, yeah, I, I just think it is. It kind of is what it is. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's about it. The uh, yeah, the penalties, those things, uh, killing me. Uh, every week we just keep shooting ourselves in the foot, giving away a hundred yards every week, free yardage. Yeah, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, we beat that dead horse enough. But yeah, that's all I got for you. This week. All right, Jake. Great yeah, give us a call next always. week. Yep. We'll see. We'll Looking see what happens Saturday. Hopefully with a win. You yep. got it, man. Thanks for being all part right. of it. All right, a couple more questions. Uh, who are the dudes from the currently committed 2021 class? Recruiting is key. Knighton and Cheney look to be major factors from last year's class. They were the Dade and Broward best running backs, respectfully. Uh, I won't call the O-line recruits from last year elite because they haven't taken the reins immediately, but they were highly touted, and, and that is rare for O-line anyway. Linebackers better than what we recruited since Shaq. Flag looks good. Who are the dudes – for 2021 that will turn the corner. All right. I, I think you have to hope that James Williams unquestionably is. And I think you have to hope that Leonard Taylor is that kind of recruit. Uh, they look like they have that kind of potential. Um, but let me qualify something first. And um, I agree that Knighton and Cheney look like the top performers from this class to this point. But notice for the most part, they aren't really impacting the final result. And that's not unusual for almost every freshman. We'll have to see how guys like Jalen Rivers and Chance Williams develop. But are we really ready to compare Corey Flagg to Shaq Quarterman? I mean, come on. I mean, you can't. You can't compare 
a kid who has played a few plays as a freshman. Yes, he's flashed and he looks like he has potential, but you can't start comparing him to a guy that started for four years. You just can't. Um, so we just have to see how things go the next couple of years, which I feel very certain that Manny Diaz is going to get to take this program to the next level. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. Is Bubba Bolden injured or dating a swimsuit model or something like that? He was balling early and then just fell off the map. I'm seeing the same thing. Uh, and it looks to me like he is playing with some kind of physical limitation. He does not look as fast as he did earlier in the year. Um, he's been a different player the past few weeks and, um, you know, looked a little lost at times against NC state. Yeah. I I don't think that's anything. That's something that he or anybody is going to admit to or, or discuss for obvious reasons, but totally agree that Bubba Bolden does not look like the same dude that we saw at the beginning of the year. Is there any recruiting plan for cornerbacks? Uh, well, you know, I think that the, the decommitment of Tim Burns was a positive and an, a clear signal that Miami is looking to move in a different direction at cornerback. I mean, let's be honest, it's been pretty clear that that's a position that needs a talent upgrade. Uh, I would not be surprised if they took a look at the transfer portal there if uh, Markevious Brown doesn't pan out. Um, that's what I would do. Uh, maybe even if Brown does choose to come, I'm not sure I wouldn't hit, hit the portal for a quali- quality corner to fortify that position. Uh, as a follow-up, there was a question about Manny promoting Banda to D.C. and maybe replacing Baker and Mike Rumpf. I think it's way too early to discuss that. I don't see Banda replacing Baker. They're, they're like 1A and 1B right now. But like I said earlier, Banda makes a coordinator salary. Uh, if they have the kind of season that it looks like they're going to have, I'm not sure Manny would be looking to replace anybody, but that doesn't mean that like a Baker couldn't leave to go to a situation where he might have a little more control than he does the way things are set up here. Uh, that wouldn't shock me if that were to happen one day. It wouldn't shock me if Mike Rumpf moved on to something else one day. Uh, so there's a lot of things that could happen. And uh, we'll see. But it's a little early to to start speculating on what might happen on the coaching staff. Um, Manny did a good job last year of addressing weaknesses of the team. He fired Enos and brought in Lashley, addressed weaknesses with great transfer portal players. What are this year's glaring weaknesses and will Manny address them? Um, The poster's opinion is that it's recruiting and player development. you know, is, is, is Manny going to bring in somebody to help the staff identify recruits? I don't think so because he rejected Alonzo Highsmith, who was a 20-year NFL personnel guy. Uh, I felt strongly that he could have benefited by bringing Alonzo in. He chose to not do that. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what he's going to do. I mean, obvious needs are on the offensive line, maybe quarterback if King departs and they don't feel Van Dyke is ready. Maybe, you know, you could use another big-time wide receiver, a cornerback for sure, like we said a linebacker, a defensive tackle, there's needs everywhere on this football team. And right now they're being covered up by a weak schedule. So I'm not sure how active they're going to be in the transfer portal this year. Um, A lot may depend on guidance from the NCAA on scholarship numbers, but make no mistake, this is a football team that could get get better in pretty much every area. And, you know, I, I think anybody that's looking at it differently is, you know, being a little, a little bit, um, 
I don't know if deceived is the right word, but maybe looking at it through a little bit of green and orange glasses. I, I see it as a team that can be better in a lot of areas. At times, NC State had five guys in the box, and we still didn't run the ball or run it effectively. What's going on? Is the O-line that bad that six can't block five? Well, I, I think you just answered your own question. Yeah, they're not very good run blockers. And, you know, you watched the Eric King the other night throw for 431 yards. If you were Rhett Lashley, you know, why would you dial that back? So, um, you know, the last couple of weeks, we've had a big speed edge with the secondaries of Virginia and NC State. I think that's predicated a little bit more of a commitment to the passing game than Lashley would normally go with. I think he was about 50-50 last week. Um, and that's limiting the opportunities for the running backs and the running game. And then when they are getting opportunities, there's not often a lot of room to run. All right, 563-999-3550. You hit the one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the 386. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How we doing? Doing great. Who's this? All right. It's Willie again. Hey, hey what's up, Willie? Once Talk again, to us. All right. Once again, awesome show. Hey, I've called into your show several times, and I usually try to keep it around two minutes. I know other callers are trying to get on. I may go a tad bit over tonight, but uh, we'll I give you three. Go. I heard, I heard you say earlier that uh, when Manny was defensive coordinator, that teams ran rough shots over us, and I don't, I don't recall that. So I'm trying to figure out what are you referring to. I, I felt like the defense was much better then than it is now. When he was coordinating, I'm not saying they didn't have bad games, but what are you referring to? Because I don't, I'm, I don't I'm, recall. I'm referring that. back to a 20-year body of work as a coordinator, and uh, you know, there's like any other, you know, guy that's. You know, there's good games and bad games. Even the best sometimes have bad games. And, uh, you know, Manny defenses have always been, you know, so-so. Like, you know, I don't think anybody considered him, even when Mark Rick hired him, I don't. nobody was considering Manny an elite defensive coordinator. He, he was just, you know, one of the guys in college football. Uh, you know, he bounced around a little bit, uh, Mississippi State twice, got fired at Texas, went to Louisiana Tech, um, you know, had a several jobs coming up before he got the Texas job. And he always was considered a, you know, a good defensive coordinator, but I've never heard anybody refer to him as elite, you know, or anything like that. And, and, you know, that's why, you know, I, I think you have to have realistic expectations. Well, here's when I, you, you agree or disagree. Here's when I saw Miami defense start to change the three years under when Manny was coordinator. Here's when I saw them start to change defensively is when they went to this striker. They brought this striker position into the scheme of things. you agree or disagree? Some people like that, uh, that defense. Some people don't. I don't have any, any strong opinion either way. I, I think it's worked well for them here. No. You like um, it or don't like it? You like it or you don't like it? I, I I don't. I rather have three. I rather have three three five, three linebackers on the field. Okay. Three physical fast linebackers. Yes, like a lot of people feel that way. Okay. Second question. There's a there's a sack machine playing defensive end at Miami Northwestern named Patrick Payton. Are we trying to recruit this guy? I don't believe so. Not at the moment. We have not heard that. No, any news, you know, any particular reason why anything you've heard? 
Don't know. Oh, okay. Well, here's here's the thing. Here's the biggest problem I have with the current Miami Hurricane team. I had them going ten and one at the beginning of the season, but in the regular season, they are now looking like an eight and three team. And I will tell you why. This is my personal opinion. As the season go along, we don't look like a team that improves as the season go along. I mean, we don't look like a team that's on the verge of doing something great. As no, the we're, trying, we're, just, we're just trying to survive, right? We're just trying to survive the season. Okay. But they're doing a good job. But they're doing a good job of it, right? I mean, they're 6-1. and one. I mean, they didn't yeah, have a chance against yeah. Clemson. They didn't have a chance against Clemson. But I think it's good that they played Clemson because what's the point of going through a whole season playing the NC States of the world? You don't really understand. Like, you, you have an inflated sense of self-value that doesn't do you any good because you're convincing yourself that you're something that you're not. At least you go, you get your butt kicked by Clemson, you took your shot, and now you have a realistic outlook on your program, and you know you need to get better, and you get rid of the Tim Burns on the recruiting class, and you reach higher than that, and I think that's a positive. Some people don't like to take losses. I think playing the best teams and losing is, it can be turned into a positive because it makes you realize what you really are. Okay, uh, one other thing I want to get your opinion on. I think we we all would agree that Ed Reed has a ton of football knowledge, and he probably has a desire to be a coach one day. What are the pros and cons of making him, taking a chance and making him your D coordinator? Oh, you can't do that to him right now. I mean, you got to let him get, you know, he's never been a coach. I mean, you got to let him learn what coaching is about. It's different than playing. You can't, I mean, you could just take a guy like him and make him a defensive coordinator, but I don't know that it would go very well. Oh, okay. Well, you don't need to do that. Make him the DB coach, make him the safety coach. The last thing I have a problem with, is it everybody else or is it just me? In my opinion, Notre Dame gets preferential treatment. How do you explain the fact that we play Virginia at home, win by five points, and fall? They play Louisville at home, win by five points, and move up. How do you explain that? Uh, Yeah, Notre Dame does get preferential treatment when they're winning. There's no question about it. You know, there are, you know, they're a traditional name. They have a lot of support throughout the country. And I don't think there's any question that there there would be a Notre Dame bias when they're winning. Okay. Gary, I've been uh, I've been watching college football for forty years. I've seen I see something that I have never seen as long as I've been watching college football. How do you explain we're the number nine ranked team in the nation? We're playing a team that's not ranked, one game over 500, and we're the underdog. How do you explain that? Road game. I've never uh, seen that. Uh, in, I've never we seen have, a top We have been team. playing great football. It, you know, you're going on the road. The first thing, it, when people are looking at a team that's an average team, which, you know, I mean, we're an average to above average team, the first thing they're looking at is the road games. Okay, who who is that team playing on the road? Because those are all candidates for losses. Okay, and you know this would certainly, if you're looking at the Miami schedule and you're figuring Miami's a you know an eight win team or something like that, you're saying where are they going to lose? And at 
Virginia Tech would definitely be one of those games. You know, I, I think home against North Carolina would definitely be one of those games. At Clemson was definitely, without question, one of those games. So, you know, I, I think that that's where it starts right there. Now but, we get to see what but, now we get to see what happens on uh, on Saturday, and we'll see how that how the that prevailing thought stacks up. But if you look at the the win probabilities and stuff on ESPN, they they've had us losing this game for weeks. Well, my last comment is the next time you talk to Red Lashley in an interview, my opinion, he needs to get Will Mallory more involved. He has more durability than. Brevin Jordan, and he's more reliable. When you're playing football, you're not going to always be 100%. You have to get out there and play when you're 80 and 85%. That, that's, that's another problem I have with this team. Well, Willie hit six, six catches, 78 yards last week. So, so, and I agree with you. Up until last week, I thought he was the, the most underutilized player on the football team. And last week, they let him eat a little bit. He had six catches for 78 yards. That's a lot more like it. All right, Willie. Hey, thanks for being part of the show, man. Give us a call next week. All right. Appreciate it. You got it, man. All right. A couple more questions real quick. Does Manny need to change anything at the end of the season to continue progressing the football program? If there's something that needs to change, what will be needed? Um, You've heard my opinion over and over on this. I I think it begins and ends with recruiting and player evaluation. Um, They're doing a good job this year in South Florida. Um, Maybe taking a few too many guys from South Florida, in my opinion, uh, but but it's a it's a weird year because of coronavirus. So they, on one hand, they really kind of don't have a choice, but on the other hand, and I'm going to piss people off by using Oregon as an example because they like to get on me about my um, my opinions on on Mario. But I'm looking at a program that's number three in the recruiting rankings, that's in the middle of nowhere in Eugene, Oregon, that has no in-state talent at all to recruit from and they're recruiting kids from 12 different states in the middle of a pandemic so it could be done okay it could be done and to say it can't is making an excuse so that's what i would say i would say recruiting doing a better job outside of south florida getting in competition for elite players around the country and that will start to take this program to a level that's higher than what we've been seeing now for, for many, many years. So that, that, that would be my opinion. Why isn't Rhett Lashley more diverse with the, with the running game? Um, for top-tier teams, it's too easy to prepare and stop our running game. Um, I think he's trying to keep things simple for the offensive line, would be my guess, and just let them try to get good at something. Let's remember where they were coming from at that position. Not a real good place. Um, Run blocking is really a big weakness. Uh, they've upgraded the pass blocking this year enormously. I mean, you look at Zion Nelson, a totally different player, but it, it does look like, you know, maybe, you know, they are trying to um, keep things a little bit simple so that um, they can try to get good at, at, at certain things in, in the running game. Um, does Manny understand that, he needs to be above his players and coaches liking him. They need to both fear and respect him first in order for him to win. Look, that fear is not man. That's not Manny Diaz style. It just isn't. And I don't think you'll ever see that with him. Um, I've never seen any indication that he believes in that kind of authoritarian rule. Um, I think he hires guys. He lets them do their job and he lets the players play. You don't see a lot of discipline or things like that 
for better or for worse. And I get the point, and it might be for worse, but I just don't think that that's who he is. Um, can the program ever be elite again when every year the coaches, players, and most of the fan base don't believe in or have the stomach for the type of high-intense pressure to be applied at every level to be elite? Well, I don't think it's it's there right now. I mean, pressure like that typically has to come from within, and that's dependent on who you hire. I mean, Manny took over a 7-6 and six team, and they went 6-7 and seven in year one. And I think um, before there's any pressure to be a champion or to you know be number one, there are a lot of first steps and intermediate steps that will have to be taken. All right, back uh, back to the phone lines. Let's go to the 678. You're live on Kane Sport Live. 678, you with us? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, who's this? Junkie, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Junkie? Oh, man, cool. Uh, first of all, man, <clears throat> let me let me just start by saying this. Because, see, yeah, we're going in circles, all right? First you say, first you say Mario uh, got a uh, – he's doing so good in Oregon. But then we talking about people like Packy, Banda, I mean Mike Rock, Packy. Like we have only one elite recruiter on defense. Well, two. And but who would you say the elite recruiters are, Junk? Uh, Banda and um the D line coach. But the D line coach is the only coach who's who's proven to be a good um developer. So Banda hasn't. Banda, Rock, Packy, none of the defensive coaches have proven to be great, I mean, good developers. So when you say somebody like Eddie Jackson, who was a three-star, not even a four-star, like Hall, go to Alabama and be the best safety in the NFL, that's a direct reflection on that recruiting talking that y'all keep talking about, that you don't yep. want to mention the the people who, who develop these guys. Uh, and evaluate, and evaluate. Who evaluated Eddie Jackson no, and, de- and decided not to recruit him? Who? But no one who – who who evaluated Lamar Jackson? I'm saying in South Florida you can't miss. But my point is he was a three-star. So if you're going to say we don't have talent when everybody we named, Blaze and all these guys, and the guy who beat out Blaze in his senior year was Jaden Davis, and he went to Oklahoma because – Mike That's Rump was, yeah. only wanted to recruit cornerbacks who look and play like him. Mike Rump was just average. He was just on the on the best team ever. So and he had elite athletes, like elite size. So what they do, all he does is want to recruit guys like that, but he keeps missing out on the cornerbacks. Because he, he's letting Jaden Davis go. He's letting Asante Samuel Jr. go because they're not his, his bill and his, his style of play. So we keep Al Blaze, who didn't start. We keep a DJ Ivy, but that's the point. So the, the, the places where we're the weakest at is the places that we can't recruit. Like, I mean, we got players. We got players on the in the safety room, but they're not getting better. So they're gonna be what they were when they got there. That's why Hall and Carter hadn't hadn't done anything. Bubba Bolden, he's he's showing what he was because he was like one of the top players in the nation. But even he's fizzling out because he's not being developed by Banda. Like Banda don't have no track history of development. And and when we say, oh, we're, where will we be without De'Ara King? I hate when we say that because that's like the dumbest statement we can make, man, as a fan base. Because that's like saying, where will, where will Ohio State be without Fields? Like, look where Georgia is without Fields. 
You see what I'm saying? When you say mm-hmm. stuff like that, that's that's the point of recruiting well, these players. So I mean, you would you agree that so the Eric King is critical. making about as big an impact on the program as anybody you've seen lately? But what what is Travis Etienne doing for Clemson? What is Trevor doing for them? That's why you recruit these people because that's what their point, their purpose is to come in to be an impact player. Like the best teams have players like this. Like that's that that makes no sense for us to say where will we be? That's the point of going out to try to get a James Williams because we want to be where he's going to take the program. Like, or where will we be? Where would any program be if they didn't recruit at the elite level or have elite um, developers? That's almost every program you can think of. Where will Florida be without Kyle Trask? I mean, like that. I don't know why we keep saying that. That's the point we. That's the purpose we went out to. Get right, the fa- fa- so fair enough. I, I won't. I won't say it anymore. Fair enough. And but the thing is, the thing is, like everybody's saying, like we have the talent on the team. I mean, Harrison Hunt, Nesta Severa, Phillips, Roche, Sam Brooks. Like these boys was like, it ain't. It ain't like Sam Brooks dominated before he got hurt. He wasn't just, oh, he was just on the team loaded. No, he was the reason why that team was doing what they were doing. But when you come to Miami and you got Packy and whoever else developing linebackers, I mean, what he can't get better. Like he, they, we can't get better in in the areas that we can't. The areas. So that you, so your feeling is the coaching's not good enough. I feel like the coaches on deep, like think about the coaches on the defense. Who have they developed and sent? To, who, who who they made good? Who did they make better when they got a hand, they hands on them? But when you look at the DB coaches at Alabama, they take guys who are already good. That's what we keep missing. They were already elite because they got recruited by elite recruiters. Then they got developed. That's why they going in the first round. We got we got mediocre recruiters. Out outside of Banda, um, we got we got mediocre recruiters, even lower developers. So our players don't even get drafted, or they get drafted in the sixth round. Bandy, Trajan Bandy was a beast. Like he was a beast at Columbus, and and he was committed to Oklahoma, but he he chose to come to Miami. We him and Rahan, him and uh, Henderson. Henderson get drafted in the top ten. Bandy don't even get drafted. Yep. Like that's a, that's clear cut. They both were four stars. That's yep. clear cut. And that's why they say, oh, that's DBU. That's why we're gonna miss out. Well, Ban- but 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 Trey John's small. That's that that was his biggest problem. Now, Santi Samuel Jr. small, but it's a significant difference. Uh, you uh 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 the dude at Philly um. Damn, what's his name? Darius Slay. He's small, but he's elite. I mean, it don't matter. Size don't mean nothing if, if you if you elite and you can play the position. Asante showing us that. Uh, Phillips showed us that. But the thing is, man, our guys ain't getting developed by Mike Rump, and he's a bet. He's a terrible recruiter, one, and you're not developing the players too. Like we're done. That's why our secondary can't go man to man because there's no one back there who can do it. There's no one back there who, who, who was talented enough to do it first because Mike Rump whiffing on all the talented guys. And then when the guys who do get there, he can't get them to the point where they can play, man, because he's not a good developer. That's going to be our problem. So what we're going to do, we're going to use up where we got the good people. Who, we got three old coordinators on the offense. Clearly they're developers. 
clearly they can recruit, and we're going to have the offense carry this team because we don't have nothing else. But in the, we got an elite D line, but the best player opted out. So, like, if we got a player who can opt out and be a top ten pick, we got the dead the, the talent uh, argument because how can you have how can you not have talent, but you got a top ten player who's sitting out? You know that that's that's a contradiction. That's a lie. The players are there. We just ain't getting developed. And you know, to say the schedule is this or that, the only the only team we're not playing from our conference is Duke. But guess what? We got NC State and and Clemson to replace it. Like, so our schedule wasn't gonna be no different. We playing the all conference schedule. Like, mm-hmm. so I mean, there's no excuses. But we need to upgrade our defensive coaches just like we did on offense. Like, get these guys out of here who's not going to make us champions. Blake Baker, uh, Packy, even Banda. Like, they're not – these aren't championship coaches, man. Like, Banda can serve as a recruiting coordinator or something or, you know, stay on the staff in some kind of, you know, some kind of capacity. But we don't have the coaches who can who can identify the talent on defense Go get the talent, and then make the talent better when they get it. We just don't. Okay, but you so but you understand. But you understand, junkie. It goes back to the decision that Blake James made because you can't hire Manny Diaz to be your head coach and expect him to be able to go out and hire an elite coaching staff. It's not going to happen. Uh, it ain't going to happen in one year or two years. But look, now Manny. See, my thing ain't I'm not I'm not up to the point to dismiss the Manny Diaz because Manny Diaz has done way more than enough to convince me that okay the hire was like early and premature I get that but what Manny is doing is is nothing short of what any coach will have to do here he came he he's doing the things that he needs to do but this only he's doing a great job this year but that doesn't so mean he thing, is positioned to go out and hire elite coaches he's not. He he went and got an elite. He went and got he, three. Elite, he went and got three all four. He got a he he did a great he he did a great job. He he was in the right place at the right time with Lashley because Lashley was on the rebound from getting run out of Auburn by Malzahn, and Lashley had gone to Connecticut, and then Lashley had gone to SMU, and Lashley needed a stage like what Miami offers, and. That's that, and, and so Manny was in the right place at the right time. But it's so, very so hard, right very right very hard to, to to get elite coaches that you know because everybody but wants. T Rob in the right place. T Rob is in the right place now. Muschamp mm-hmm. is in the right place now. Um, Don Brown is going to be in the right place now. There's several D coordinators about to be in the right place in the right time. Just like they all getting ran out of town, and, yep. and now it's gonna it's gonna be the test to show. If Manny is the championship coach this offseason, he's going to address that defense. And if he don't, then we back to Al Golden. But if he does, he's the GOAT. And All right, Junkie. I'm going to listen. Thanks for calling in, man. I, lo- I love when you do. Do it again next week. All right, man. Bye-bye. Let's go to the 239. You're on Kane Sport Live. 239, you, you with us? Doing good. Who's this? Uh, this is uh, Peppy here in in Fort Myers. What's up, uh, Peppy? Talk to us. What you got? Called a couple of times. I uh, got a couple things, man. Um, have a couple questions for you. You know, you mentioned uh, the development of players and so forth, and you know, just hearing you making a couple of comments. Do you think that Diafrano was a better recruiter than our uh, 
current defensive staff? Yeah, recu- I mean, recruit, re- recruiting wasn't his problem. I mean, his problem with coaching, his recruiting wasn't, was, was, you know, I mean, he, he could go to New Jersey and get David Njoku. Like, he could go, you know, the, he could go to Jacksonville and, 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 and help get Shaq Quarterman. Like, you know, like, uh, recruiting was not D'Onofrio's problem. Right. Well, we know coaching was, or at least, you know, running the defense. Yeah, coaching was, coaching was his problem. He just, just didn't have a good scheme, didn't have the right scheme for this program. Gotcha. Another question. Um, just comparing uh, your personal opinion and the quality of coaches, offense and defense that we currently have now, this very second, um, do you think offense, defense, and the last caller made a really good point, Junkie made a really good point about, uh, you know, having three offensive coordinators on the offensive side. On the defense, we really don't have that resume with either of our position coaches. So your opinion is? Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, on the defensive side, it's Manny and, his, and Manny's disciples. I mean, that's exactly what it is. That's what Manny intended it for it to be, and it's either good enough or not good enough. That's, but that's, that was the plan. It's, you know, it's Manny and his disciples. Okay. Um, question last year uh, with Enos being in charge, and we all remember his arrogance, you know, standing there listening to, to, to you know, interviews with his hands folded and, and with that smirk in his face. Did you feel, uh, since we, you know, pre-COVID, did you feel being on, on campus that um, Enos was the, the alpha dog, like, uh, you know, the untouchable on campus, you know, versus the offense, defense coordinator and head coach? Did do you see that mystique with with? I don't know. What, I don't there? know. I don't know what you mean by alpha dog or whatever. But when we watched practice, it was very obvious that Enos was the best coach on the field. Okay, on the you know, so on, uh, certainly yeah. I mean, I mean, on both sides. Uh, to yeah, to me, both sides. You know, yeah. To me, to me, if that guy had De'Ara King, he'd still be here. You know, right. he. Uh, that's my opinion. Especially with like, our defense back then, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if, if he had Derek, if he had a quarterback like Derek King, he would still be here. I'm not making a judgment on whether he is no, no, better no, no, or worse no, 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 than. No, no. I'm not comparing him to Lashley. No, 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 no. I think Lashley's been great, but but that job would have not been open had he knows had Derek King because he would have had more success. Now let me ask you a question. On the same comment this year, meaning with Lashley, now obviously COVID. You're not there, but just your gut feeling. Do you still feel the same way that now Lashley is the best coach on the field? Yeah. Yes, I do. Mm, and I don't. I, and I don't know. There. I don't know if if if, they're, if if we're going to be able to keep them. You know, I mean, I, I think that a lot of people out there are going to look and see the impact that he has made on Miami, and his agent is going to get a lot of phone calls. And I don't know what his agenda is or whether he wants to stay or not stay. You know, maybe he stays for another year or two. You and know, maybe every he sportscaster always mentions that I can't believe he's not a head coach yet. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not a head coach because he's on the rebound. Like, he got run out of Auburn for whatever you know reason Gus Malzahn had, and he had to go to Connecticut and SMU to rebuild his – reputation and then he got the opportunity to come to a bigger stage at Miami. So now he's positioned for a better job. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I've heard that, that, you know, Blake and Manny understand this. And, um, I've heard that there has been some discussions internally about trying to find ways to maybe, 
you know, improve his situation, maybe financially or whatever, to, to where they can get another, you know, year or two out of him until he gets a head coaching job. Uh, but I don't or know how that. Yeah, I don't know how that's going to end. I don't know. Okay. Well, well you know, my my thing. It just seems like like, you know, a buddy of mine mentioned uh, LSU and oh, you, you know, Miami with with. It's like the perfect storm. It'll be the next LSU winning, you know, blah, blah, blah. He was just trying to basically add more fuel to my fire. Um, and I was, like, eating it up. But the difference is to me is that, you know, Oregon, the, the head coach from LSU versus Manny. Manny seems more passive. He's not like the, the alpha guy. And one of the things I want to make is a comment, you know, as far as recruiting and, and the quality of, of talent that we have, um, what's your, you know, coaching versus development? What's the, what's the difference there in your opinion? I mean, it's two different agendas. I mean, you know, development is a year-round process. It's not just during the season. I mean, you know, if you're gonna if you're good at developing, you got to do it 12 months a year. Uh, the coaching comes into play in September, October, November. Coaching use X's and O's. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, that comes into play during the season when you're game planning and you're having the match wits with other with other teams and 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 you know make the right calls and that sort of thing. And obviously, you're still developing your players 12 months a year. You're developing them in and out of games each week. But to me, development is a 12 month project, um, whereas the actual coaching is more in spring practice for a few weeks and then obviously in the fall. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, man. And then the last thing is, you know, we are six and one. King just did 400 plus yards, running yep. for over 100 something yards. We're six and one. I mean, yeah. last year, if you would tell me, hey, six and one, how would you feel? And yeah, I'm know, surprised man. more guys I'm, aren't happy. I'm, I'm really surprised. I'm surprised more guys aren't happy. Like, yeah. I, I it, it's it's weird I'm, because they're looking for style points. And they're forgetting where we're coming from. We were six and seven not too many months ago, losing the FIU and Louisiana Tech. That's where we're, we're coming from. We're losing all these games that we should have won, and we're learning how to win. Yeah, I mean, we were we we're were we were not even a good we were not even a good Sun Belt team in December. Okay, that's where we're coming from. Well, so yeah, yeah, you got to be realistic. All right, Pepe, thanks for being part of the show, right, man. Give us a call next week. Yep. All right, guys, I got, I got three of you left on the board. I'm going to try to get to all three, but you got to keep it quick. It's up to you. Let's go to the 210. You're on Kane Sport Live. 210, you with us? Going once, going twice. All right, next week, we're down to two. Let's go to the 504. You're live on Kane Sport Live. 504, you with us? Going once, twice, all right. Then we're down to one. Let's go to the 540. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Hello. Yes, sir. Who's this? Jason. What's up, Jason? What you got for us? Oh, uh, it's well, uh, it's, we're 6-1, and one and, and, and we just lost to Clemson, so we got to keep that in perspective. Yeah. And... Uh, I mean, I've always, when I've called in, I've kind of tried to talk about the big picture, but, you know, it's, um, we've had COVID happen and we got to be glad we at least have football, you know? Yeah. It's like I was just saying a minute ago, I'm surprised more people aren't happy, you know, it's six and one. It seems like everyone's reaching for more and I get it. Trust me. I mean, we all want to play for championships. That's just not the level that we're at right now. 
Yeah, I think it's important, and I'm guilty of this. I've probably been called a doomer on your website, but it's important to keep things in perspective. All of us want to project what we saw when the Canes were dominating onto players we see now. We want to hope that so-and-so is the next Ed Reed. I remember back a while ago, people were saying Von Telmack is the next Ed Reed. I mean, you guys remember who that guy is? Yeah, remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Don Chaney's, Don Chaney's going to be Willis McGahee. And so we're thirsty, we're hungry. We yeah. all have um, we all have a, the same disease of the hunger for the championship and to hold up the number one again. And so we just got to keep things in perspective. Don't believe the hype. All the stars don't mean anything. Just ask Tate Martell. We, we have to have players do it on the field and don't just hope that you throw in a freshman with four stars on the offensive lineman that we're going to be mauling people over in the running game. So we just got to be patient. And um, I, I guess I'm running out of time here, but I wanted to ask you, what, do you know what Blake James's uh, perspective is on all things? And do you think that he's going to actually sign, um, have tried to have Manny Diaz sign a contract extension? I don't think so. I, I, certainly not this year. I mean, we're in year two. Uh, I, I, I would be surprised if he did that. I mean, I you know I I think you got to give Manny another year or two to prove to prove that he can take the program to another level. Okay, because I remember right. he gave Mark Richt an extension pretty quick. Well, Manny Diaz is not Mark Richt. You know, let's be honest. Very and good. and you know, yeah, they made a misjudged on Mark Richt. Maybe Mark Richt was burned out, but you know, Manny doesn't command the same level of respect at this point as Mark Richt did. So we'll see. All right, Jason, let me let you run. Um, give us a call next week, okay? Okay. All right, last call of the night. Let's go to the 904. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, how you doing, man? It's Antoine Jessica. How you doing? What's up, man? How you Take doing? us home. What you got? All right. My first point I want to make to you, man, is a lot of the callers call have been right. Here's a, here's a question I want to ask you. Is Blake James qualified on his own to hire the head football coach at the University of Miami. Not in, my, not in my opinion. I think he proved it by not doing a coaching search. Okay, like, how do you not do a coaching start. search? How do you not do a coaching search to see who your pool of candidates is before you pick somebody that you feel is the, is the greatest guy on the list that's going to take the program to championship level? You've got to do a coaching exactly. search. Even if, even if you end up in the same place, you've got to do a coaching search. Exactly. So if the the guy who made the original call to hire Manny Diaz wasn't qualified to make the decision, it's a trickle-down effect all the way down through the program. Now, I want you to take a look. Now, I know this call, I'm going to get off the phone in, in, in less than three minutes. In two minutes, I'm going to be gone. This is what I want you to do when you get off the phone. I want you to look at the resume of the actual, of our defensive coaching staff. I'm talking about Rump, talking about uh, Pat Key. Banda, uh, 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 the defense coordinator, uh, Blake, and all down to the D-line coach. I want you to take a look at all their collective career resumes, their actual resumes as football coaches, and then compare it to the offensive side of the ball, but I want you to do one better. I want you to – right now we're in the top ten. I'm not saying we're a top ten team. We're in the top ten. I want you to compare their resumes. All the guys on the defensive staff, even our head coach, to the other the defensive staff of the other top ten coaching staffs in the country. I want you to take a look at it and see 
what you see because I know what I would see. What, what I see is a bunch of guys who should not be there, a bunch of guys who should not be coaching at the University of Miami. It's right. It's in black and white. Don't take my opinion for it. Look at it. I want everybody who's still on the phone, still listening, may not be but a few people. Look at their actual career resume. Okay, but Antoine, Antoine, let me stop you. Okay, and and what you're saying is a legit point. You know, I, I, I love every one of those guys. They're all great dudes. I get what you're saying, but here's it, it's it, you made the point at the beginning of the call. It starts with the first decision, and you know when you're hiring a head coach at the University of Miami. You have to take a look at what type of staff that person is going to be capable of putting together. And you have to, you know, you can't be in fantasy land about it. And that's part of the job. And that's where Blake James failed, in my opinion, because Manny had no chance to put together the kind of staff that what you're talking about. No chance. No chance at all. Um, one, probably doesn't have the budget. Two, you're not going to be able to hire elite coaches around the country who think they're better than you. Okay, that's where it's the, you know, you know if they, it, it, they're not coming here. Ding, 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 ding. We have a, and, we and, have and, 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 and like I said, he, he, he hit the lottery with Lashley. He doesn't have anybody on the defensive staff to say, Manny, hey, this is a bad idea. They're all yes men. Every one of them is a yes man. Nobody's no. going to say, Manny. I don't, I don't know that that's the case. Play. I mean, I, I do think they well, have opened who, debate in that meeting room, but but I get what you're saying, Antoine. All right, hey, let's um let's continue this conversation well, at ahead, a, at, a, at a future time. But I understand your point, and you know, I think you know, I think we kind of clarified it. So give it, right, give, man, give, yeah, give us a buzz earlier next time. All right, man. Thanks for Thank being you, part man. of the have show. All right, I want to thank everybody that called in tonight. Great show. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday night. Canes at Virginia Tech on Saturday. And um, a lot of people don't think Miami's going to win. Hopefully the Canes prove them wrong and we go to 7-1. and one, And then we'll see if the mood in the room is a little different next week. All right, so with that, I will say good night, everybody. 